Hello and welcome to episode 248 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. I am Angel. And I'm pretty sure I'm Kevin. Both of you sound a little hesitant. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've only been doing this for 248 episodes, so I figured by now you know who you are, but may- you know, maybe not. I've been soul-searching this week, trying to figure out who is Angel. Am I just a Ninja Turtle fan? Like, is that what defines me? Or is, like, my fandom define me? Or is there more to me? Is there more substance? You have a couple of fandoms for sure. You got Ninja mm-hmm. Turtles, you got Transformers. He has Nintendo. Talks about every two Nintendo. weeks. Yeah, true. Godzilla. But yeah. But Kevin, what defines you? <laughs> what defines me? <laughs> what fit? What? Fa- what? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's a <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was ready I to get this uh, <laughs> introspective on the random Nintendo podcast. Jesus. Because <laughs> for me... The podcast, in a way, defines me, as weird as that sounds, because it's so much of what I've done for oh, so wow. many years. You know what? Yeah. It'll be a better, more perfect way. Maybe you could save that one for for Quarantine Chronicles. But what would you say if you had to pick one game to define Kevin's taste in video games? Oh. A Nintendo game, oh. just to narrow it down. Oh. What would it be? Kevin, do, do you have a game that can define your Nintendo taste? My Nintendo taste? Oh, the, I think uh, for I some pick... reason, for... Oh, go. Go. Uh, go, and then I'll say what I think is mine. Like, to give it to you, I think... I would probably pick um, Rhythm Heaven Fever specifically, just because I like all games. Every game that I've liked has some kind of quirky aspect to it, and that game also has a lot of multiplayer aspects to it. Because I really love any kind of multiplayer. I think Rhythm Heaven Fever is good. Otherwise, it'd probably maybe be a Smash Brothers. But I think Rhythm Heaven Fever, at least to me, I feel defines my taste a little more. I think uh, Kevin, do you, do you have an answer? Do you want me to buy you some time and say mine? No, no, no. no. I do have an answer. Um... Okay, I, when when you asked that when you asked that question, the first game that came to mind was Super Mario Odyssey. Interesting. You know, I was gonna say Mario too. I was actually that gonna say Mario Galaxy makes two. However, I, I could see that. I could see that. Kind of yeah, open worldish. It's kind of mindless as you're going around <laughs> uh, collecting things. <laughs> <right. laughs> when I play Nintendo, your... I want to be brain dead. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I'm I'm with you though. Honestly, um, for me, I was gonna say Galaxy two because it's like you know, kind of the it, it's linear but there's a little room to explore it it has some whimsy to it it has some silliness to it it's just like pure clean fun like i don't know it's just like it feels like really what buys nintendo to me and and i see does the same thing just with a better soundtrack so great because you know jump up superstar but uh yeah that's that's interesting that we're on the same mario page angel you weirdo with smash bros and rhythm in heaven but anyway um so this episode isn't about us it's about Nintendo. <laughs> Specifically, I mean, they released Super Mario uh, 3D World plus Bowser's Fury just this weekend, and I've played through Bowser's Fury and have impressions of that to share. I know, Angel, you have hit the end game of Ring Fit uh, and want to talk about that a little. And then Nintendo themselves has a bunch of accomplishments in the form of uh, everyone's favorite topic, at least my favorite topic, sales numbers. Uh, so we're going to not just do raw numbers, we're going to talk about some of the takeaways from those numbers. You know, what 3D All-Star success means for the future of certain things about mario or what like uh pokemon what's going on with pokemon and all the craziness right now around not just the games but the cards and the happy meals that are being scalped on happy meals are being scalped on ebay like what is going on so we're gonna talk about that um and then we also have some third-party news and uh the new switch online library of strange choices of, of nes and super nintendo games so a lot of different stuff uh timestamps yeah. at ramtown.com lots of things for sure. Yeah. Follow, followed by some impressions of Captain Marvel at the end. But yeah. Curveball. Okay. Not for QC for this? <laughs> I don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's worth a QC dedicated moment. <laughs> okay. I guess. Right. I guess. So, so, so all I'm right. Just dumping cool. it here. Cool. Okay. The random and random Nintendo. Why not? 
but let, let's uh, like I said, timestampstreetmanton.com, or if you're on the YouTube video, it's there. But let's just jump. Uh, let's cut to the chase here and talk the episode's namesake. We are calling this episode the Cat Mario's Meow, and that's because of 3D World. Wait, wait, what? Bowser. We talked about this, dude. <laughs> oh, the first thing uh, I hear about it. The, I, I seriously, oh. I seriously thought that that uh, Jason was totally going to forget about the name. I was like. <laughs> All right, cool. That, that's that way we're not embarrassed about about the name. No, I mean it's on the episode. Even though you didn't say it out loud, it's smack on everyone's podcast player. It's right there. Two forty eight colon cat Mario's meow. Yeah, but, but, uh, you it, it, but but it's kind of like that thing where I know that there are rats under the house, but I just don't want to see them. <laughs> I mean, it's, if it's you like guys, the same logical I, we, here. we we did have a deep conversation about cat puns and which to use, and this was the best we came up with. So, but anyway, let's cut to chase. Never mind the pun. Bowser's Fury. It's our episode's namesake. It released this weekend. Uh, having played through it, I think I'm the only one that picked up 3D World, right? Of the three of us. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I didn't have time to pick it up. I, I definitely do want to pick it up, though. It's, that uh, might I mean, be I tough, considering that Persona comes out next week, I believe. Or in 10 days. Oh, Strikers? Yeah. yeah. And I'm just upset yeah. I didn't want it more. But, you know, I'll wait for a sale. I, I think it's definitely worth it for me to get it once it's on sale in some way. And Nintendo seems to be a lot more cool with putting their games on sale lately even if it's not a lot it's kind of interesting it's it's part of their whole evergreen thing i mean we'll talk about with sales numbers but they definitely are leaning more on legacy games and realizing that they can keep remarketing and repushing old games even though us fans are always clamoring for the new stuff there's a huge audience that hasn't seen half of these things so yeah them putting them on sale is basically their push yeah but anyway with bowser fury um i will say if when you do eventually pick it up either you know after persona kevin or when it's on sale angel it's really neat like when it was first announced i i remember i was saying that i felt like it was some sort of mashup of mario ideas you know the sandbox of 64 odyssey you got mario sunshine in there with bowser jr's paintbrush there's giant battles like mario and luigi games uh the cat stuff is mario 3d world obviously and i kind of want to mend that now that i've actually played it because bowser fury isn't just like a mashup of a few ideas it's literally a microcosm of like the entire mario experience which really did catch me by surprise like i had the impression um that what we'd be getting was sort of a one-off mario 64 style level or mario odyssey style kingdom but in actuality lake lapcat embodies like the entire traditional 3d mario experience just kind of shrunk down like you have levels connected to one another with a hub world except here they're tiny islands and the hub world is the lake they're all sitting on uh so each you island go just... from level to level through kind some of, sort of yeah because thing no you walk to them that's what i mean by it's like a hub world so think of it like peach's castle but instead of jumping into a painting you just step onto the island and now you know, you just like a level, it's got multiple objectives. You you step on the island and you have the island name and then the first objective. Oh. Each objective gets you a shiny object. In this case, they're cat shines. And you need to repeat, you know, uh, repeatedly take on increasingly more powerful Bowsers based on how many shines you get. And each one unlocks a new boss battle with him. And yeah, and the hub world itself, like the lake, opens up as you complete each boss fight, kind of like Peach's Castle does. or and, and not only that, but also like Peach's Castle, there are ways to get cat shines in the hub. Like, it's not just in level. You can get stars in Peach's Castle other ways, and here there are cat shines you could get by, you know, doing plusy challenges or, like, finding a secret thing or doing this, that, or next thing. And um, then on top of that, kind of like more modern 3D Marios, like Odyssey, you do step on the island again, individual goal. Those goals can vary. Um, but some will reconfigure the island slightly. So once you get the first cat shine, you go back to the island and it's a little different. Others will use the same layout, but then let you kind of stumble across additional cat shines, which is very much an Odyssey thing. Uh, so it really does kind of take a traditional Mario format and just take out like the screens between the loading screens between like 
or the level select between the hub world and actually starting the level at all just is kind of seamless. And then the, the gameplay elements, like the actual goals, both on the islands and in the hub, are really a who's who of like Mario's staples. I mean, you've got platforming challenges. You fight a boom boom. There's a slide level. There's one where you chase a rabbit or like a cat rabbit because everything's cats. Um, there's one where you're reuniting a baby animal with its mother, kind of like the Mario 64 penguins. There's a Mario Sunshine style Shadow Mario type chase situation that I'm not going to say anything more about. There's a, a propeller box, like vertical platforming challenge. There's Cat Mario platforming. There's a fireball suit, a hammerbow suit, a, ra- a raccoon suit. Um, I don't know why I said raccoon like that raccoon suit. Then there are like secondary item uh, things to collect. Like each one has these uh, five cat medallions you can get. And then there's integration with the pointer and touch controls like with 3D World. Here you do it and Bowser Jr. will reveal a secret. And then in those secrets are secret rooms full of coins. And there's like one in the clouds like old school Mario. And then there's a challenge where you're like knocking uh, bullies off the stage like in Mario 64. It's literally the whole gauntlet of Mario gameplay. Just all bite-sized including, you know – each level kind of like as you progress and open up more of the world they have themes so you start with kind of standard islands and they're more snowy than the more lava filled and it's all again shrunk down so you're not getting entirely different landscapes but you are getting kind of the tropes of all right here's the new theme for the new world even if it's just a couple more islands and then um in tandem with all that are nods to so many past mario games i think weirdly mario sunshine which i love is probably getting the most references in this outside of 3d world's cat stuff like the entire premise is there's this black goo that's consumed the lake and bowser and you remove the goo by shining light using the cat shines and the goo if you touch it damages you like in mario sunshine with the sludge and things become clean as the goo is removed and perhaps most directly when it all starts you're summoned by bowser jr painting the shadow mario m emblem from sunshine on the ground mario falls into it warps to late black cat and that's how this whole thing plays out plus it's all product uh you know it's all production values of like a typical mario game so you're getting you know a little attention to detail like how everything everything is a cat in lake lake black cat like the birds the bushes the arches the every enemy even they even have bob omps that they just slap some cat ears on that look totally out of place um and there are like little cats that follow you at certain points and if mario's in his cat form you know they crowd around him and if he's not his cat form if you get too close to him to start running away like these are all things that aren't necessary for like a three-hour game but it has the kind of like mario level attention to detail there's even cat hieroglyphics at one point on the side of one of the islands it's just it's 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 a lot for a little package they really crammed it all in um but it feels like the glue that like really brings it all together is the Bowser's Fury concept. This idea that lurking in the background is this massive, all-powerful Bowser who can and will mess up your kind of rote Mario-ing. So like how it works is you'll just be playing normal Mario and then you'll start to see a wind begin to blow through the trees. And then there's some light rain. And all this time there's like ominous traditional Bowser music starting to quietly build in the background. And then suddenly, boom, it's nighttime. It's pouring rains, uh, rain. Guitars are like riffing. And there are fireballs and giant spikes raining down on you as you try and finish your island goal. And depending on what you're doing, like a stream of fire from Bowser, like his breath may come at you and you have to dodge that. And there's certain things that you can hide behind and his breath can destroy other things. And obviously this adds some, you know, extra challenge since now you have to dodge things while still trying to complete your regular platforming. But I thought was clever is Nintendo also uses it to create new goals for you. So every island has a set of Bowser blocks that if you can get him to attack, to breathe fire on, to drop something on, whatever, they will reward you with something, either a cat medallion, in some cases an actual cat shine, um, coins, what have you. And um, the other thing is if you, of course, have the correct number of cat shines, 
you're not just fleeing Bowser, you can actually take him on directly by going to the nearest Gigabell, which transforms you into Giga Cat Mario. I feel like I'm just saying a Mad Lib. Uh, and that lets you, like, fight him. And the, these fights play out pretty much like a typical Mario boss battle. Bowser has a set of moves, you get, you've got to dodge him, you strike, you know, when um, the timing's right. But it, it has this, like, very epic feel because they take place on top of Lake Lapcat. So you're fighting on top of miniaturized versions of the island you're just platforming through or of the whole landscape, really. And you can see every little island's, like, layout from, like, this kind of microscopic view while you're this huge thing. But again, these Bowser are really no different than your Bowser encounters in a game like Mario 64. Like, if you're worried that they spoiled the end game by showing the transformations in the initial trailer like i'd say don't be because within two islands within five cat shines you're already seeing it it's very early you fight him multiple times just like you do with normal bowser mario 64 uh the difference here i guess is that they frame it around needing enough shines to turn into giga cat mario not to unlock the door to the bowser fight so he'll come and go as he pleases um bowser whether or not you have the shines which means when you do have the shines, weirdly, you sometimes just have to sit there and wait until the game decides, like, okay, it's time for Bowser to get furious. All right, go ahead and use the bell now. And that wait can be a wait. Like, I didn't... I was saying that I suddenly was like, maybe I should buy the Bowser amiibo that lets me turn on fury mode whenever. Because, like, it was... I was waiting. Like, you just kind of sit there with nothing to do. Um, but it's a, it's a minor thing. I mean, the the framing in general, like, it's just interesting to me. Like, the idea that... You know, Bowser's just constantly there, and it's all this one level that he's, regardless of what you're doing, he's just, you know, it's this one interconnected lake. There's no real levels per se, I guess, but it's all there, and he kind of comes and goes on his own. is 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 different from Mario, and and along with that, Nintendo made a few other changes that were also kind of interesting. Like you actually can stockpile endless amounts of items now. There are five different items. Uh, you can activate them at any time by tapping on the up face button. And this kind of creates an interesting scenario where you'll say be a cat Mario or need to be a cat Mario, but there won't be a question mark block nearby. There won't be a way to get that power up because you actually need to sort of pool your resources since, yeah, the islands are individual challenges and kind of presented as levels, but they're all one uh-huh. place. They're all one lake. So, you know, if you don't have a Cat Mario right there, it's not like, oh, you have to leave the level and come back. You just hop off the island and go grab it somewhere else, which is very different from Mario. They usually put the solution to the power-up situation directly next to the puzzle. So that that was kind of interesting. Likewise, uh, coins are pretty much life or death now. There are no one-ups. There are no lives. Every 100 coins will grant you an item for your stockpile. Death just reduces your coin count, you know, making it a little harder to keep stockpiling. So, like, the whole thing feels very Mario, but also kind of experimental at the same time. Uh, and for the most part, it does things right. But there are a few nitpicks I have. The biggest might be the camera, which is normally not something a Mario game has a problem with. But for Bowser's Fury, it seems like what Nintendo decided to do is was stick sarcasm? with... I feel like I've never had an issue with Mario's cameras as the games came out. Mm. Going back to like 64 and 3 okay, All-Stars, okay. sure, it wasn't okay. as good. But like as the games came out, I never thought first time playing a new Mario game, the camera's weird. Yeah. Like, it always was I fine, totally agree you know? with that. It wasn't until I was a lot older that I realized, like, oh, some of the games I thought were intentionally designed that way for me to, like, struggle and just, like, master were just bad. Yeah, and it, it's one of those things, that, like, yeah, obviously they progressed since, which maybe is what makes this stick out even more, because, like, I, it seems like Nintendo decided to stick with the idea of how the core 3D world 
game's camera works, which is as a fixed perspective, I sort of move around within that perspective, which, you know, is fine for 3D world. You're locked in. You only have eight directions of movement. But with Bowser's Fury, you're not locked in, and they swap the eight directions for full 360-degree analog. It feels more like Odyssey in that regard. Yet the camera, while you can control it with the right stick, it still likes to kind of hold its position, for lack of a better term. Like, it doesn't adjust around objects or, like, glide with Mario's movement in the way that other Mario games do. It'll set to, like, certain perspectives as the environmental environment calls on it. But there were multiple times it just felt kind of, like, in the way, which was weird. Like, usually, you know, it'll swing with Mario or it'll at least try and maneuver around an object. This one just kind of, like, if I say, oh, I need to turn it 90 degrees and then Mario turns 180 degrees, the camera doesn't swing around. It just kind of sits there at that same 90-degree angle. Which I guess confirms this was actually built inside the 3D World engine and not the Odyssey engine as some were speculating. Why would you think it was built in the Odyssey engine though? No, the 3D World. Oh, because uh, well, I was saying when it was first announced that the fact that it's open world makes me think this could have been retrofitted. Oh, I I mean, okay, I can see that. I I guess I I just always figure like, you know, it's part of that bundle. Like it's just. They just used assets from 3D World and just built that. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, there's two. Both are, like, Nintendo minimal costs here. One is they take the 3D World engine and retrofit it to work in free roam space, like, open world. And the other is they take the Odyssey engine and just throw the assets in it. Because 3D World does have um, a few levels that are pretty open. The only problem with those is just that it's literally, like, just open grass and there's just, like, some bunnies to chase and that's it. So I guess it Which, you know, the camera... It's fine for that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just once they start putting vertical verticality and objects and plessy and all sorts of stuff, then it gets a little more um, messy. But it's not a showstopper. It's just something that sort of I did not expect from a Mario game. Uh, my it other complaint, yeah, it didn't really anger me. It just I may have like punched my TV. No, of course not. But uh, my other complaints aren't nearly as severe. One of them is Bowser Jr. So he's your right-hand man throughout the game. Um, you know, he's likely there to give two-player co-op an option in the vein of Odyssey and Galaxy, where you have someone just kind of be like the little helper. Um, but if you're playing solo, something about, I don't know, he just feels, it's, it's weird. There are three settings of help. You can get a lot of help from him, a little help from him, and no help from him. But a little help, which is what it defaults to, had him killing enemies and collecting coins before I even got near them. So I can't even imagine what a lot looks like. So I ended up saying him to none, which, you know, resolved that for me, but made his entire role on screen feel kind oh, of so you don't unnecessary. You in do any not. way, like Cappy not or if, even Luma? You, so you can't, if you're doing two player, yes, the second person keeps a Joy-Con to control him. If you're doing single player, the most you can do is you know, the pointer control, or if you're playing on handheld, I guess you can use touch. Um, you know, borrow from 3D World, you can kind of assign him to spots. Like you can be like, hey, go look at this and he'll go over there. And it's useful because that's how they do some secrets. So they have question marks from question mark blocks just plastered under, you know, bridges or on the back of an island or whatever. And you can go do that and point him to it and he'll use his brush and reveal a secret, an item, a coin room, you know, what have you. But if you want to like sick him on enemies, that's not – he does that himself. You don't really have to worry about that. But he's very aggressive about doing that. So I ended up turning him off. And I was like, I mean, do I really need to have a pointer just to have him, like, go hit a secret when I could just go up to it and hit A in a normal Mario game? Like, it just felt like he didn't really... Like, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like they should have just left him as a two-player thing in the way that Cappy is or, uh, you know, controlling the... Whatever they called it in Galaxy with the... Where you're shooting stars, the star bits. Um, just, you know, like, it's not there unless you need it to be there. But this one was, like, I don't know. It just felt... It felt kind of silly, especially because I haven't 
uh, played in handheld mode, but I was reading that some people had issues with performance in handheld mode, like the game kind of chugs, and it just felt like, why have that constant on-screen element of Bowser Jr. running around if the game's already, you know, having some difficulty running at full speed? So, um, I don't know, that, that felt a little pointless to me. Um, the other complaint is that for all the creativity and combining of different Mario ideas, it was a bit of a bummer that so many of the second cat shine goals per island are just blue coin collecting challenges. They call them blue coin bustles. All you do is have a time limit to collect a certain number of blue coins, then the next set spawns, then you do that, then the next set spawns, then you do that, and you just kind of make your way through the level, almost speed running it, or the island, I should say, and you know, that's it. You're doing the same platforming you did before, you're just doing it a little faster and you're getting blue coins. And I guess in a way that's true to other Mario games in kind of the microcosm sense since, you know, it's basically the red coin challenges or eventually the purple coins I think they switched it to. But it just, I, I don't know, it's it stuck out to me as being kind of a design cop-out. When you only have two or three goals per island in total versus like six, and one of them is just, here's the thing you just did, just do it a little faster. I don't know, it felt, I felt like it kind of was a missed opportunity. But in, mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, a few blue coin challenges here and a kind of pointless Bowser Jr. there, like, that's not going to hinder the overall experience too much, I feel like. Like, the, the camera is maybe the worst thing. It can be a bit annoying, but even then, I don't think it's a deal breaker. Like, the, the good, like, the surprising amount of good, the amount of variety this has crammed into it, um, for me, that definitely outweighed the bad. Like, I'd recommend it. If you're a Mario fan, like, it's a really fun time, and there's a lot of nods. And you you could argue some of it feels derivative because there's so many nods. But I had a lot of fun just doing, like, it also felt like a best of, of, like, Mario ideas kind of crammed into this little new open-world experience. Um, the question becomes, of course, whether it's worth $60 if you don't care about double-dipping in the rest of 3D world. And uh, that that's admittedly a tough one. I mean, for me, Bowser's Fury took about three hours. Uh, apparently if you want 100%, Andrew, you're just looking this up before we record, it was, what, six hours? Yeah, about. And, you know, I'm I'm also someone that was okay with double-dipping on 3D World because of the new online play. Like, I think that's really cool, and, you know, sped-up gameplay wouldn't sell me on it, but knowing it's online and moves a little faster, like, I'm, I'm all for that. So I'm not even coming into this equation from a pure, like, I must have Bowser Fury desire. Like, I was interested in the rest of the package. But if you're not interested so much in 3D World, I don't know, like, you're paying 20 bucks an hour for kind of a best of hodgepodge of like cool mario things that aren't there's nothing like truly like new it brings it in line with world. movie theater prices sort of kind of i mean like 20 bucks on a movie theater gets you two hours so if you so true if you wanted to do a hundred percent run on it six hours that's a movie th- that's three movies price mm-hmm. so if you look at it that way it's not that crazy you're right but if you're just kind of casually playing like me, you're talking three, maybe four hours if you do a little more collecting, 60 bucks. So you kind of need the rest of 3D World to motivate you too. But but if you do end up pulling the trigger and getting it, like I really – I'm quite happy with my purchase. I think it's – like I wasn't – I was very pleasantly surprised by the depth. I was, you know, I, it's not a disappointment whatsoever. So I'm, I'm – on that level, I recommend it. But the like cost-benefit analysis, this is really strange. Like I don't know. I mean Angel, you are saying it was on sale. So I imagine in your mind it's not worth it. 60 bucks for six hours i mean it really depends if i mean if i played games like you did i probably would have gotten it because you know i would have only played like an hour or two of the original super 3d world but more than that 3d i like 3d world i played a little more than that it was like you know double that number maybe but since my brother and i completed (laughs) it like there's literally it's just harder to justify because you know we 100 percented it like there's literally nothing in 3d world that we didn't already see right and you know increasing the speed is great 
but not that's just something that's like oh we wish that was there from the beginning like if anything it feels like we missed out by playing it earlier but you know i mean we couldn't have predicted this nintendo couldn't have predicted the wii u to be to bomb that hard yeah and it's kind of the same deal with like actually tropical freeze may have been better on the wii u i mean country returns um i love playing that with the wii mode and nunchuck i mean they were just i mean it was obviously designed for that mm-hmm. and that's also how we played country returns because i was having a conversation with a coworker that apparently had a lot of issues with the controls of tropical freeze and they actually kind of dropped the game pretty early on because they just couldn't get used to it i guess i think it's something to do with using the r button to run and we were like and i was just like wait wait how I was just confused, like, like I didn't remember having any issues with the controls, and I feel like I would have remembered something. And, you know, talking about it, we realized that he was playing with a pro controller the whole time, and I was playing with Human ah. Nunchuck, and that's not an option in this one. And right. you swear I'm going to use the the freaking Joy-Cons. Um, I don't even know if that's an option, but kind of like and, that and game. Be, I mean, and... I love that game, but we also 100%ed it. Like, it's like early adopter syndrome, but, you know, if you 100%ed the game, I, I feel you're probably not going to double dip. I mm-hmm. and you probably don't have any reason to, unless you know if they gave away or had a copy of Tropical Freeze for like five bucks, I would definitely pick it up and just play some of it again or maybe all of it. But yeah, same deal with Bowser's Fury. Although that one, I feel would have to. I'm willing to pay twenty or about if it were to go on sale for that much. That's pretty much where I'm at. It, it's interesting that you talk about how like you know they they the controls actually could suffer when they do these ports. Cause yeah, honestly, I mean, it's not a game breaker, but like replacing the game pads touch with a motion gyro little pointer on the screen. It's not as good, at least in Bowser, you know, with captain toad, like I was talking last episode, like it works, but it's not as good. And Bowser fury kind of confirmed it. Cause I was using a pro controller and I was like, you know, running around Mario and I had to like swing the controller, like move the pointer and it, it's fine. But you could tell it's like a backup approach because the initial approach can't isn't feasible anymore. So it, it definitely feels like they're like, oh, well, this is a workaround. And in some ways, that is better in the original. But And I imagine a lot of, you know, like you're talking about the Joy-Cons, like there's probably a lot of ports that have that issue and have been across generations from any system to any other system. But it's just kind of noticeable because Nintendo so hard tries to um, marry the hardware features with the software. So it sticks out a little more. Yeah. But hey, it is what it is. Yeah, gonna... but it is it is a cool package. And like Kevin, since you never played 3D World, like honestly, like Bowser Fury is just icing on top of a great cake. Like so it's, it's, I, it's, I did I for... did play 3D World. I just didn't. Oh, you did. I, it, it was just like whenever I would go over to Elvis's and Angel's house. Oh, here. gotcha. Just just play here or there. Right, but then yeah, even then though, if you you know if you're like me and haven't necessarily <laughs> gone through the whole game, um, you know Bowser's Fury plus online for. 3D World plus having 3D World, you know that I think you're in for a good time. Like anyone that's yeah, never played absolutely. 3D World, this it, it is an amazing like package. A, like a pretty good package. Yeah, my MVR, but you know, it is what it is. I obviously really enjoyed it the first time. Meowser was awesome. The music and that game is amazing. Like if you haven't played it, it's like an easy recommendation. I mean, you probably already have it because you know every Mario game is kind of like a little mini event when they come out. So mm-hmm. this is no yeah. different. Yeah. Also, weirdly, so a game full of cats, you'd expect Bowser's Fury to have a bunch of cat puns. No cat puns. Instead, because you uh, open lighthouses, like every time you get a cat shine, the island lighthouse lights up and it kind of clears the the goop. Um, So there's a bunch of lighthouse puns, like puns about light and puns about – 
Like it's, it's, I did not expect that. Like I love me a good pun, but I did not expect lighthouse puns to be the, the takeaway pun from Bowser. How many, can you give us some examples? I'm kind of, um, well, so the lighthouse, they could do without repeating themselves as, as you, um, okay. So to explain the lighthouses, as you unlock each Island, get a cat shine on each Island, you, um, unlock the lighthouse. And then for the first X number of lighthouses, the lighthouses give you tips about, gameplay features like that's how they introduce to you how item hoarding works and you know like the stockpile and all that so they'll always be like oh the lighthouse has an update with some light news or like uh what was the other one there's another one I'm like oh god what a stretch but i can't remember what it was but there's like five or six lighthouse puns where it's like you know like uh here's something to lighten up your load or you know things like that it's also really weird now that i think about it one thing it does that i do not understand and i've never seen mario game do this is when the lighthouse wants to talk which is a sentence I just said, or when Bowser Jr. wants to talk, um, it doesn't just do the dialogue for the character. It starts with, Bowser Jr. has something to say, dot, 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 and then just puts in the same dialogue box in quotes whatever Bowser Jr. wants to say. Like, they didn't bother to, like, have his face there. They just had an opening sentence of, like, Bowser Jr. is going to talk now, or, like, the lighthouse is going to tell you something. So, you know, it's probably another example of them just uh, keeping development costs down by reusing assets because they don't have to create new boxes or anything. They just use the generic menu box. But I just thought that it, – it was weird. It's like, who's narrating this? But but yeah, it, uh, overall, it's a really cool package, yeah. Which kind of brings us to the next game because uh, we were talking about, you know, Nintendo marrying hardware and software and cool packages. Uh, Ring Fit Adventure, been out for a while. Uh, but Angel, you just recently – well, actually, you and I are doing um, yeah, the month, a long, uh, daily challenge. A long time ago when – I guess back in October when this game came out, um, like both of us like, gave impressions on the game like – Jason pretty much gave impressions about, I guess, how what he felt about it as a game. Yep. And at the time, I think I had played it for like a week or two, and I just talked about it like, oh, does this feel like a good replacement for a workout? And now that I've beaten it, man, like, there's a lot of content in this game. Like, I feel like I'm kind of glad that I'm just like revisiting it. And, you know, and as Jason mentioned, um, overall, you know, trying to just live a healthier lifestyle, trying to use it a lot more. Been playing it every day at 6 a.m., even today on a Saturday. God, you got me to do it. I'm on day 14 in a row today. Yeah, and and that's awesome. What day? What is today's date? It's the 13th. Yeah, today would be day 14. Yeah, and you know it's it's just great. The I mean, just to start off, like the only negative, like even after beating the game, even after playing it for however many hours, because you do have to keep in mind that um, I think right now, like I have logged like around 40 hours or something like that, but. When you're working out and you go to the gym, like, you know, if someone goes to the gym for like an hour, they're probably only working out for like 20 to 30 minutes of actual, like, in, I was going to say in-game time, but I guess like actual yeah. workout. <laughs> yeah, like ac- like actual workout time. And, and this is kind of like that. Like, you, it's definitely a commitment. So 30 hours, 40 hours, like, yeah, equated to like a couple months of just like doing it for like 30, to, 30 minutes to an hour a day. Mm-hmm. and it did take go on a few hiatuses, but in spite of getting all the way to the end, they still teach you and show tutorial prompts for every single time you have to do something. It's like the first, like pretty much Um, there's this thing you do. Um, You can you essentially have to turn the ring con sideways, put it up to your stomach, and you keep pressing it to flap your wings. And every time you encounter that in a level, even if it's like the 80th time you've done that, they still go, put the recon sideways and press it in to, to fly. It's like, yeah. I, I you want, you want to know a secret? You want to know a secret of why they do that? They're oh, secretly yeah. recalibrating the Joy-Con then to make sure it's being held correctly. No, that 
I'm I'm not I'm okay with like the the prompt that tells you like flip it sideways and push it into like calibrate it. It's just that they have like an in-game voice that repeats it every single time. Like it's more wow, like the dialogue. That's an odd complaint, but okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I get what you're saying because if you're like a die-hard gamer, like you know what to do by that point. But I guess from their yeah. perspective, for the like market people know, who want just a fun way to exercise, it's like well, a personal yeah, because because I mean, if the game stops you and like, um, luckily like. It does kind of alleviate it a little sometimes because you, the second and third time you encounter it in the same level, it will, it won't like teach you. Like you'll just be, you'll be able to just like jump in and just start like running or swimming or whatever you're doing. Yeah. But the first time you encounter the level, um, Ringo, I don't remember what his name is. I'm going to call him Ring. Ringo. Just Ring. I like Ringo. Your name's more creative than what Nintendo went with. <laughs> Ringo, like he'll go like, this may be weird, <laughs> but you're going to have to push on me. Um, and pull on me from both sides and you know like the first time it's like oh this does feel kind of weird but then like the 80th time it's like yeah i get it like it's not the first time i've done it why am i still being told this is gonna feel weird but um i mean and that's like literally like my only complaint it's like like jason said i see like jason said it's like a minor thing but you'd think like you know they would cut off the banter after you hear it after you hear that line so many times because you know i've already done it but besides that, mm-hmm. man, like, all right, so you have 23, 23 or 24 worlds that you go through. And every single world, every single level after, like, I think the second or third level um, will have a quest, a side quest attached to it. Essentially, you have to replay the world or replay that level either by trying to beat it with, like, as least the least amount of steps as possible or by using only a certain type of fit skill or by trying to collect a certain thing. But, or clearing rocks or whatever. Yeah, like no matter, like essentially, you will be redoing everything. So you could almost like that. Essentially, almost like doubles the length. Like I would say, the hardest ones to do are typically the gyms, just because you know if you've leveled up enough, you eventually gather a bunch of different recipes to make a bunch of different types of smoothies, and it gets pretty strategic. And I don't know, it's a really fun mechanic. I don't know, I just love like. Going into certain boss battles and turning all my, um, having the right smoothie combination so I could turn all my skills into red skills so that even if, you know, my strongest move is a leg move, I could still get the type advantage against a red foe. And then I have another smoothie that will regenerate my skills if I want to use a certain attack again, or another one that will let me go again, or get a rush attack, which after doing an attack, you pretty much have to aggressively shake or do something with the controller just to get like a last couple hits but yeah i mean besides those um uh, yeah i guess because of the combination of different um, fit skills you can do some levels end up becoming a little easy which you know whenever the levels like whenever you breeze through them i feel they're more fun than easy than just like they end up being it's more of a plus than a minus i don't because you know you end up feeling more powerful it's just great what's the word i'm looking for i guess feedback for lack of a better term like the gameplay loop yeah like it's just nice every once in a while to feel really powerful although it is Mm. more gratifying when you're like you know taking a sliver of health from every enemy every single time and you know overcoming that but yeah but but but, but overall oh but i guess right before i finish that thought like there are yeah go ahead there are these gems every every couple worlds where you don't fight any enemies you're literally just doing like a set of exercises and it's all about the reps and how accurate you perform each rep. So it's not like 
there's literally like a push-up one or there's like a you know sit-ups or squats or mountain climbers which oh my god those are those are a nightmare because <laughs> you have to pretty much perform and you know like you don't want to cheat the game yeah i could pretend to do the movement and be like oh the game is thinking that i'm doing all of it but that defeats you, the whole purpose yeah i've, I've never cheated in ring fit <laughs> but you know like it, 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 <laughs> absolutely cheating ring fit. <laughs> i i have not actually which surprises me which you know because i mean when you're cheating ring fit you're really just cheating yourself out of you know the exercise okay dude <laughs> look you told me you told me oh just put it in level 30 it'll be fine and my parents are finding me passed out on the floor from the pain. But to be fair, I think there was like four worlds like towards the end where I put the level down to like 20 just to see how it would be. And it was oh, it, so it was, who was cheating themselves. Yeah, I was about to say, did you tell Kevin about this, Angel? Did you let him know it's okay to drop to level 20? No, yeah. Wait. Well, well anyway, yeah, like it was more of an experiment to see like how like do actually what actually oh, feel like a big of a difference you. and i don't know <laughs> i ended up since i'm working out by time instead of like level completion like i still do roughly like the same i do still do the exact same amount of exercise but i guess there are like i guess more breaks in between just because of you know when you're doing it at level 30 you're doing like 60 reps or something versus like 30 reps or something but after doing it yeah. like for four worlds i changed it back to 30 and i ended up beating the game that way and holy oh my god like the last level like that boss alone like took literally like 37 minutes of in-game working out like i was in front of the tv just like doing reps for like almost like an like a whole like over an hour like it, it nearly killed me because like that boss has like eight health bars and you're like doing a sliver of damage every single time in addition to every once in a while you get attacked with like super versions of certain hits so um if they throw out a fist you have to hold the ring kong behind you and squeeze it and keep it there for if you're you know at level 30 it's going to be like maybe like a minute or two straight and you know it doesn't sound that hard at first but it really starts to burn and you always have that doubt in your head like oh my god i'm not going to make it but then you see that bar like slowly going up. And when it gets to the halfway point, at some point, you know, Ringo will give you his like, you can do it almost there. And it kind of helps. It's, I don't know, it just feels really good at the end. The one that almost kills me, because I mean, there's also, when they do the foot version, you're literally doing a squat for like over a minute. And it's a wide squat. And that thing will destroy you. Like you will, like, I think I've had to like lay down on the floor, like, for like a minute or two after doing that just to like recover <laughs> just because it was just way too intense but and you know and when you get the i guess the ab one like the ab workout version um you have to i guess kind of sit down on the floor and you kind of like open your legs wide and put the ring con like you're pushing down the ring con on the floor with your hand so it's but right in front of you so it's almost like you're holding a bar right in front of you and that one is also a real pain like a literal pain. And I don't know, but they're really good. I mean, it feels very satisfying. And, you know, and after you beat all 23 worlds, I mean, yeah, you can go back and do all the quests, which I'm slowly doing. You also end up unlocking pretty much a whole nother version of the game. Like, yeah, it's the exact same levels again, but it's scaled to where you were left at. And the worlds are just called, like, New World, 
level 182 or something. Like, my character is almost, like, at level 200 from, like, leveling up. Wow. And wow. and it's cool. Like, it actually continues the story. Like, the banter and everything updates to reflect, like, where, where you left off, which is pretty nice. It just makes it kind of fun to read. And mm-hmm. from what I've seen, you could actually... I think it does that two or three more times. So, there's definitely plenty of adventure mode to keep someone satisfied yeah i mean if you were worried that there wouldn't be wasn't going to be enough definitely don't be there's more than i mean and that's not even counting the fact that you have custom workouts you could do that you know still track time and yeah i mean yeah there's those rhythm games as well but although those don't track time so if you're trying to track time the rhythm games and the mini games outside of adventure mode do not count for anything except Good yeah, yourself, like you'll you'll know it'll track time if when you select the mode, it'll select you to it'll ask you to pick a profile, and then that's when they'll yeah, like exactly. log everything. Otherwise, you know, like the mini games or the quick play, um, those won't count. I, I yeah, did ahead. have a question for you, Angel, because you were talking about you know you you've basically done a lap through the whole game at this point. I've noticed when going through it. So obviously, it's an RPG. In fact, here's a fun fact. Uh, apparently, because of how well it's sold, this, uh, it's like over 8 million copies, it is the number one selling JRPG, technically, of this generation. Huh. Technically. <laughs> but anyway, that's, uh, the question is so obviously... funny because as the guy who plays a bunch of JRPGs, I've never seen Ring Fit as a JRPG. I've only ever... Se- For some reason, it feels so westernized to me. I think it right. may be because of the art style. I think it's the art but, style and the and the, yeah, I guess um, it is an the RPG personal RPG. trainer ring or ringo as Angel calls mm-hmm. it. Like that personal trainer is using a lot of like Western colloquial like isms. Um, but yeah, I it does. I it does got to chop it up to the uh, localization in that in that case. Yeah, I wonder Treehouse. if it feels any more Japanese actually, like in Japanese. That's a good question. Like, I wonder how much they did regionalize it. Like, and even in Europe, how different is it? I imagine the European one's more like the American one, but I wonder if the Japanese right. one is different. Yeah, that's a good question. We should dig around the internet that's that's actually very interesting but yeah the question i had is um so obviously because it's an rpg uh you get more powerful attacks and those attacks are obviously different yeah, types of fitness. A skill tree and um, but, stuff, yeah. exactly but what i noticed when going through it on day 14 now is uh and what i noticed you know back in october of 2019 when we first played it is you're replacing exercises with other exercises. And they're divided by category, right? So you got like your yoga stuff, you got your uh, upper body, your lower body. So those are all color-coded. But what I noticed so far is when you do replace stuff, you are replacing entire exercises. So like knee highs or something that I was doing pretty regularly. But that's going to be phased out for something else originally. And those phased out squats. And then, you know, there's like – I was doing like the bow at one point. But now I got like this over – which is, you know, you stretch your – and do kind of a bow pose with your arms. But now I got this new one, which is overhead twist or something, and I hold my arms up and twist. And I'm thinking, all right, so if I have to overhead twist because its attack is double that of, say, the bow or whatever, why will I ever go back to doing the exercise that had me do those bow arms again? Like, where would I work that muscle again? So the question to you, Angel, is do they eventually, as you keep going through the game since you've been through it, do they eventually circle back to some of the muscles that were in the weak attacks again for stronger attacks? Like, are they alternating you? Or yeah, is it like it, they keep just doing you, different you, you could think of it as like the game giving you like a nice like rotation of all the moves. Okay. okay. And it's pretty cool because like, you know, like you mentioned, like the knee lifts, like that was also one that I like using in the beginning, but then you get to something that like, that is just lift. like way better. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, like right now you're using like base one power moves. Like later on, you start unlocking like two star moves that are like, that do like 300, 400 damage each. And then later right. on, there are three star moves that 
they're pretty much like a star move version of every move that you've used already. So, you know, it, it keeps it really fresh. And you're unlocking moves all the time that are just better than the previous ones. And it just kind of keeps it going like that. And the muscles are... Like never fully neglected because of the star. Yeah, and, 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 and like you eventually will come back to your knee highs and your bows. It'll just be a more powerful version. Not, not to mention that um, at some point you start to. Um, I mean, you, you'll go through some levels that literally will, like, only allow you to to use certain types of moves. So like, you can only use like, and, and it'll give you like predetermined moves. So like, they do a really good job of just like having you use a lot of different things. Like right now, like I literally just unlocked the knee highs again for like the third or fourth time and now they do like 700 mm, damage wow. each so you know they're, they're always getting rotated it's always getting changed and, gotcha. and changed up so it's really cool in that that's way. good that's good because yeah i was like so proud of my knee highs because i knee highs are really fun because there's like a rhythm to it and the game like cheers you on like it goes like yeah yeah, yeah every yeah, time you do yeah, it it's great yeah, that, that but then i had to then i good. Exactly. And then I realized, oh, I have to phase this out. Like, what's going to be – how am I going to exercise that same muscle? That sounds like it will come back. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. For sure, for sure. It's really a good package, Ring Fit, if you think about it. Like, how much Nintendo poured into this thing. <laughs> it was a slow burn in terms of getting to the success it's at now. But, like, they really put a lot into it. And it's nice that's paying off for them. How was the, how was the uh, supply for it? Because I know once uh, quarantine started, they were flying off the shelves. Yeah, it was gone f- for the start of quarantine they restocked it during the summer it seemed pretty steady since but i just saw on twitter this morning that japan is sold out of ring fit again so okay. um it seems like it kind of ebbs and flows i imagine there's been a huge like burst of interest starting at the start of the new year with new year's resolutions and everything but yeah it right. seemed like from my impression it was available most of the holidays and like fall yeah because i uh, i was seeing a lot of um you know, I I go to a lot of uh, Kinja sites, you know, Kotaku, uh, Jalopnik, right. and they have right. the inventory. And I swear, I was I was seeing Ring Fit on there the entire time. The inventory being their, uh, I mean, they're like, oh, here's what's on sale kind of website. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and yeah I point... kept saying Ring Fit. And I remember it was like, I remember seeing the notification that Ring Fit was on and me like rushing to buy it. It doesn't seem like that's a problem anymore, at least here in the, in the, in the U.S. Yeah, it's... it's... Definitely less so. I mean, even a couple weeks ago, a month ago, Amazon or Best Buy or someone was selling RinFit at a ten dollar discount. So yeah, yeah, at least for a weekend or something. So like it is, yeah, it is definitely more available now. Like the initial rush is gone in part, I think, because as everything's sort of opened back up, whereas people have adapted to how pandemic life is, they found other ways to exercise as well. Like they don't feel as cooped up, so that demand isn't there in the same way. But that does lead to an interesting question. Um, well, actually, or point, Angel, is there anything else you want to say about RinFit before That's I? That's pretty say much it. It's just amazing just really good made exercise fun yeah it, it did what ring fit no what we fit didn't do yeah i was about to say it should have been it feels like this is like the end game of ring of uh we fit like we fit was like the prototype for this yeah almost fits perfectly yeah. into my schedule because well i mean i guess i made it fit into my schedule but ultimately that's kind of what you, you have up so early to do it <laughs> i mean and i'm not a morning person like i just have to do it because if i do it late in the day like i I don't know, there's just too many other things I want to get done. And there's also just the advantage of, like, just forcing yourself to get up early allows you, you know, once you're up already and you do the exercise, you end up feeling more energized and you end up going, like, oh, I still have, like, all this extra free time. So let me work on my Japanese or draw this thing or, you know, it, it's it's cool. There's definitely advantages to it. Getting up, the actual act of stuff still sucks. I mean, I have to use, right. like... My iPhone alarm has been kind of unreliable because I have to forget to turn it on or it's too easy to snooze or something. So I got like an old radio alarm 
And I just like that, you know, because it's playing the radio, it's like a different song every time. And it's not like I'm getting accustomed to it. So, you know, there's also that. Just those, I just have to like literally jump out of bed and just be like, all right, let's do this. And, you know, the challenge we're doing also really helps. But once yeah. you get into the groove of and it, for me, I'm doing them. You end up feeling guilty if you don't do it. Like it's it, it becomes like mm-hmm. more ingrained. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy to see that Jason and and Co are all doing that. Yeah, honestly, well, the well, Nigel, who's, is helping who's motivate. Yeah, yeah, you should try to. Well, I, I guess if if you want, you could just like lower the difficulty. But I, I would say definitely give it another go, Kevin. Yeah, I have to get back on there because I actually I actually went to the gym the other day. It's an it's an outdoor gym, and their their COVID procedures are are pretty pretty good. But I went and I just like scanned my ID, and the guy looks at me like, "Oh, did you have an appointment?" I was like, "Appointment." And he goes, oh, yeah, it's by appointment now. And he's like, oh, and so just open the the, the app for the for the gym. And I didn't have it downloaded because it had been so long since I used it. So iOS deleted it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, let me just step off to the side because this is going to take forever. And the guy's like, no, 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 don't worry. Just And I held up a line of like maybe 12 people. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. And I'd rather <laughs> not have that uh, that social anxiety. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was pretty adamant. Let yeah. me just step off to the side. And the guy's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Like, oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I mean, if you have to choose between that or having an inanimate uh, ring yell encouragement to you, think yeah, that's hard. I, yeah. I, I felt the, <laughs> I felt the daggers, the, the eye daggers coming from everybody right. behind me. It was so embarrassing. Oh man, and you know, like, I mean, since I started, since I started picking this game up back more seriously, because I kind of went on hiatus during the winter break, you know, like November, December, and it was just really hard to pick it back up until we decided to do this challenge. And then I started a week before we started the challenge just to kind of mm-hmm. like, all right, when, what time do I want to do it? And yeah, I mean, I've lost three pounds since then. And it's been consistent because I'm tracking my weight every day. And that's also really motivating. Just like, well, it's really working. But yeah. I uh, made the foolish decision of not taking any weight measurement before beginning. So I really don't have any indicator well, progress just except do that seeing today. my stamina slowly go up. I mean, you need to start some scale. I don't have a. Scale. You should probably get a scale then. I mean, it. it eh. Getting a scale here is I'm really it. important. Like knowing tracking your weight is probably one of the most important things to like actually having a consistent workout. Because otherwise, you don't really have much of a frame of reference outside of like, oh, I'm not getting as tired. But I, I feel like well, yeah, that's nothing I've... motivates you like seeing yourself lose weight. I uh, so, yeah, I've been measuring it based on so so, so you get on the stamina. that. Okay, fine. But yeah, I've been measuring it based on stamina of like how long my workout goes and what the calories burned according to my Apple Watch are. Because Apple Watch, fun fact, has a fitness gaming workout category. And if you wince when you see your weight, then you know you're like, I mean, there's more reason why you should have had it earlier. Or maybe you won't. Yeah, okay. All right. Anyway, now that we've shamed me into getting a scale, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I guess we can uh, move on to the news, right? You could get a fancy Um, digital app coordinate a scale to satisfy your techno needs. Yeah, a, a, a scale that connects to uh, your Philip Hue lights <laughs> and your smart listen, blinds. Listen, I, need, I, I need a scale that when the doorbell rings will show me on the scale screen who's at the door in case I'm weighing myself at that particular yeah, scale. Exactly. show you like a tweet Obviously. while you're looking down. It's like, oh, here are the tweets to distract you. Yeah, phone. exactly. I need a ticker of the latest tweets on the screen. Yeah, if you want to understand uh, that joke, listen yeah, to the latest episode of uh, Quarantine Chronicles. That's right. Just uh, go back one episode in the in your podcast app. It's right there waiting for you. Um, but in the meantime, in this episode, we have news still. And on the Nintendo side, there was one big story, success. 
Um, well, financials that point to success. And I, I don't know about you guys, but it is my favorite time to quarter because a new financial report is out. I'm sure that's not how you guys feel, but this one covers April up through the 2020 holiday season, what? so December 31st. And if you had to take a guess, guys, do, do you think the Switch did well? Exceed expectations? I'm thinking maybe? it did. Maybe outsold okay. some other Nintendo systems? I'm gonna. That's. I'm gonna take a very big risk and just say it flopped this month. Wow! Wow! Because, because predict- we all know it probably broke records. It's probably doing. It, if you had to predict if that outsold another Nintendo system, which system would you guess it outsold? I don't know. All of them? Hasn't it outsold all of them already? Uh, it, no, it, not it, it outsold the Xbox 360 in Japan. I know that for sure. <laughs> that's the safest bet you can make outside, like Virtual Boy. So. You are correct. You are correct. It did outsell the Xbox 360 in Japan. Uh, I mean, really, you guys are right. This is a story we know really well. Switch again exceeded expectations. It sold uh, 11.57 million units during just the holidays. That's 7% higher than it did a year ago. That's higher than any quarter of sales that we ever had. And that now means the Switch is at 79 million units sold, which is now officially more in four years than what the entire 10-year lifespan of the 3DS generated, which is like 76 or 7 million. Which is why for the first time, so sold um, the 3DS. keep a look at the at our Twitter account. We're actually going to be putting a poll, and we're going to be telling oh, do you, still, do you still want to see these um, updates? Because, you know, the Switch is kind of keeping the status quo. What else is there to report? So we're curious about to, wow. we're curious what you wow. think. Wow. <laughs> Wow, that poll's not happening. Uh, it might happen. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, but but to, I mean to give you a, a like a, it's a, yes, it's the same story. But it, there, it's just kind of like the the scale at which we're talking now is so much bigger. Like to give you a different take on it, like IGN noted that the Switch Lite by itself just about outsold the entirety of the Wii U's life, if it hasn't already done so. Like as of the end of December, the Lite was literally thirty thousand away. The Lite, the like cheaper boring switch was 30,000 away from the entirety of the Wii U's life and it took about 15 months to do it maybe so like it's it's you know it's just crazy and of course the big success story is Animal Crossing you know still chugging along another 5 million sold over the holidays which means it's literally sold more copies just this holiday season than City Folk on Wii ever sold and that means its lifetime sales are at 31 million that's you know uh, an attach rate of 39% of all switch owners own Animal Crossing in nine months flat, 39%. Mario Kart 8, Switch's top-selling game, 33 million. 42% of all Switch owners own Mario Kart, and it took since 2017 to cultivate that. So Animal Crossing's doing in nine months crazy numbers. And like just how crazy we're talking is it's now the top-selling game in Japanese history, more so than Pokemon Red and Blue. It's the first console-exclusive title to top 30 million in a single calendar year ever in gaming. And even when Wait, you hold up game? to multi-platform juggernauts, Animal oh, Crossing. Animal, gotcha. Yeah, and even when you hold it up to like multi-platform juggernauts, the game still holds its own. Uh, a journalist whose name is escaping me on Twitter was saying that back on the PS3 and 360, Grand Theft Auto V sold 34 million copies in 11 months across two huge platforms. Animal Crossing did 31 million in nine months on a single system. Like it's crazy, like the scale of this thing. So all this is to say essentially that yeah nintendo's still killing it uh they had their single best quarter since 2008 they made like 2.2 billion dollars they're expecting their operating profit now to be like 22 percent higher than they originally were expecting they're now anticipating selling 26 million switches sorry 26.5 million switches um during this whole fiscal year which is the second time they bumped the number originally it was 19 million that was 24 now they need to raise it again but like we do 
kind of know this story already, but there is a little more to it, which I thought might be interesting to discuss. Like, we all know that Animal Crossing is a huge success. We all know the evergreens like Cart and Smash and Breath of the Wild and Odyssey are huge successes. For anyone curious about those specific numbers, we'll go ahead and link to the slide deck that Nintendo put together for investors over in this episode's blog post at Ramtel.com. We don't need to spell them all off. But within Nintendo's, like, 2020 activities, there were some surprisingly big performers besides Animal Crossing. Or to borrow, like, the kind of Bowser's Fury lingo, there were, like, some games that hit, like, a giga form that sort of were flying under the radar and you didn't really think about. Like, I think the clearest example was um, Mario 3D All-Stars, which is perhaps the only game, again, besides Animal Crossing, that saw numbers in 2020 that rivaled anything Nintendo pulled off in 2019. I mean, yes, like, Hyrule Warriors, Age of Clarity, there are stories going around that it was the best-selling Warriors game ever. It sold 3.5 million in the, over the holidays. That's pretty great. Pikmin 3 Deluxe, 2 million copies sold. That makes it the fastest-selling Pikmin and the best-selling Pikmin in the entire franchise in two months. And, you know, that that's just the Switch bump that we used to talk about. Just, again, any Nintendo IP on Switch is just going to do better. And even at, like, 100 bucks, Mario Kart Live still sold over a million copies. Uh, but if you look at holiday 2019... You had Sword and Shield doing 16 million. You had Luigi's Mansion doing 5 million in two months. And, you know, it's, it, this year for Nintendo, outside the Evergreens, was a bit quieter, but in comes 3D All-Stars. And 3D All-Stars sold like 8.3 million copies, 8.32, I think. And just to give you a sense of that number, that's 2 million more copies than the original GameCube release of Super Mario Sunshine sold in total. So in four months, it, surpassed the entire lifespan of Mario Sunshine and hit two-thirds of the lifetime sales of Galaxy and 64. And to me, I the wonder if I that has to do with just... anything about this, the it's going to be gone in, like, two weeks. Probably. It pro- probably. probably. I mean, honestly, like, that scarcity thing works. And um, it makes me a little worried Nintendo's going to do more of that. Um. It, it's weird because, like, it worked really well for Mario. Meanwhile, I've noticed that Fire Emblem, uh, the 8-bit remake bundle, like the physical bundle, um, or re-release, not remake, that keeps – that was a limited supply only to March, and it keeps popping up at Best Buy and Amazon's websites. So I don't know if it's working for every game, but it, Mario's All-Stars definitely makes it sound like Nintendo's going to do it again. Um, but what I thought was kind of the cooler thing about this besides – okay, would they do it lot, again with um, Or I guess that's the question for the – Zelda. Zelda. Zelda anniversary. What would you – what games would you put on there? What, Ocarina of Time, uh, you, Twilight Princess, and I think they could else? get away with a couple bundles. I think they could... I saw someone suggest this online. That is actually kind of an interesting idea, and I would hate for Nintendo to do it because it would be double, like, quadruple dipping. I They could do a Young Link and an Adult Link bundle set. So you could do, like, the Young Link set of, like, Ocarina, Wind Waker, um, Majora, and then, like, the Adult Link set of, like, Skyward Sword, Twilight Princess, and I don't know. Um, maybe just... Uh, I think I'm forgetting a game. But, you know, something like that. Like, they could actually branch them off and do multiple bundles. Um, but, it, you know, it just... If they do it, though, I'm sure they're going to be time-limited. Um, and it, really, anything. If they want to do, like, a Metroid anniversary set, they could limit that. Like, it, it's... It, the, the fact that this did so well kind of opens the door to that. But what I was more thinking when I saw the number was not, you know, hey, here's the opportunity for Nintendo to milk more money out of us, but finally... Finally, it feels like Mario Sunshine's gang gets due. Like, sure, it's because it's bundled with Galaxy and with uh, 64, and sure, 3D World, as I was talking about before with Bowser Fury, has a lot of Mario Sunshine elements, but, like, there's this thing Nintendo does with Mario 
where they introduce some new stuff and then they sort of pull a vanishing act on that stuff and then maybe they bring it back later kind of like if you look at like super mario brothers 2 wart was a huge part of the mario universe at the time in marketing and cartoons and merch um like angel i sent you the other day that commercial um disney's Dale, how do you say his last name the animator dale bear, bear? yeah yeah, so he um, – I don't know if you explain who he is, but basically he did a Nintendo commercial he's just a, a, for a department store. He's just known as like a Disney animator because, you know, he's a professional animator that worked for Disney. And any most of the animators from Disney, they they carry that same line art and animation quality to anything they do. So it gives everything like, you know, like, oh, if Disney animated a Mario movie back in the day, that's probably what it would look like. And, you know, it still holds true in this one. Like, And it's so fluid. Yeah, the characters are very, I don't know, they just feel very weighty, very bouncy, very, very clean. And especially love seeing the, I guess, the line art, because I think that was also posted somewhere. I don't remember where I thought of it. Was in that same link Jason sent me? Yeah, I don't know. It, it just looks awesome. Like, I kind of wish I had, like a, like, a copy of that artwork and just, like, hang it somewhere. But it just looks great. It's super cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it's for a department store called Roses or something, not to be confused with the Roses from Schitt's Creek, I would imagine. And apparently that part, department store is still around. But uh, yeah, so they paid him to do this. They get Link in it. They have Mario in it. They have Wart in it, not Bowser. Wart. Because at that point, Wart was the big guy. He was the big yeah, guy. Yeah, that, that was – they, they, they kind of jumped see... on that one. I, yeah, I have to take a lot of points after that. Yeah. But, yeah. but, <laughs> but for anyone who wants to see the animation, we'll link to it in the blog post because it is pretty cool. It's like a 30-second thing, but it, it, it's pretty cool. But my main point is they made Wart – this big thing and then they unceremoniously just like dropped him in fact for a while their nintendo dropped all of the mario 2 universe it really wasn't until yoshi needed a partner in the original mario tennis on 64 that they started bringing it back because that's you know when birdo showed up that's when daisy showed up and daisy's a good shy example guy. too because she was in mario land shy guy. shy guy yeah yeah that's true uh, but even daisy like she was in mario land she didn't hear a peep from her until peach needed a equivalent in tennis and uh there she is. And now, like, you know, Peach's hover jump from Mario 2's in all the Mario games. Uh, the turnups are referenced in, like I mentioned last episode, Captain Toad uses the turnups. Um, Once in a Blue Moon, Daisy's everywhere, but you'll sometimes see her original Sarasala Land referenced, or however you say that name. I never really figured it I mean, out. So, like, Nintendo like, will take a you, thing. You can't even forget, yeah. um, you know, like, Peach's core movement and pretty much, actually, even all the main characters, like, I mean, you look at 3D World, yeah, the like, Toad's faster yeah. running speed, the fact Peach can hover, carries over to just about any game mm-hmm. she's in, Luigi's slipperiness, I mean, that's off from there. It took a while for them to, like, come back to that, which was so weird to me. Like, it was establishing in Mario 2, they dropped it for a couple generations, and it started to creep back, really, at, the like, the early 2000s. And it's sort of this weird pattern that happens with Mario, where, like, characters are big, then they're gone, and then they kind of eventually come back. And I'm hoping that 3D All-Star is doing so well. And I think uh, Bowser's Fury, you leveraging so much of Sunshine is kind of pointing to it. I'm hoping it means we're going to get a return of some of the Mario Sunshine-isms. Because oh. if 3D All-Stars did well, that means Mario Sunshine's relevant again. And Mario Sunshine's now being referenced in Bowser's Fury. And my hope is like things like Piantas and Shines and Flood and Egad and like Professor Egad being like like all these things nintendo had and they just kind of dropped like remember piantas were in like all the mario sports games and shines were a thing in mario kart double dash and like that was a thing for like a minute and then it all just kind of unceremoniously disappeared yeah like i thought that was cool i like that or like the one that really bothered me was nintendo tried doing world building with professor egad where flood was designed by him you know it's on um the boxes in mario sunshine uh bowser jr's paintbrush used to have the egad logo on it before they changed it to bowser's face 
now you know egad's just the guy that makes the poltergeist in luigi's mansion like they were doing some like weird interconnected low-key world building through sunshine through luigi's mansion they threw egad into like a cameo role Mm -hmm. in martin luigi yeah and then they just kind of unceremoniously dropped him again so i'm hoping you know eight million copies of sunshine being out there even if it's part of a bundle means that we're gonna start seeing more of this and like i said Bowser's Jury is the first sign that maybe it's happening but i don't know it's just such a weird thing that mario does that to me like i don't know games are not like are there other franchises that like make a huge deal of something and then just pretend it never happened it's so weird to me like is does like tmnt do that between like iterations or is that is this like a weird nintendo thing or is it actually kind of more common than i think uh i'm sure there are examples i mean bebop and rock city are kind of an example i guess in tmnt you know like everyone loves them but they were kind of just in the first into turtles they never they didn't make an appearance in in the 2000 in the next series and then the series after that they still didn't appear for a while and people there was like a dog face and fish face or i forgot the name a dog pound and fish face they were pretty much like bebop and Rocksteady, but they weren't what were the and, ones in terms you know, of time it, razor and tonk or something like that razor and oh Tonka? toka and razar they're they're the ones from the the second movie oh, okay gotcha and eventually you know like fan outcry and you know they actually brought they properly brought back to i mean bebop and rocksteady into the cg 2012 series and around the time that they brought them back, it almost seemed like they started popping up in more merchandise and stuff like that. And then, you know, then they kind of went in hiatus again in the next series. So that's kind of that example. But, you know, now they're also in the comic. It took them a while to get in the comic as well. And now they're, they got their own spin-off comics. They got two of them, actually. Didn't one of them murder so, yeah. Donatello? Yeah, well, like near death. He, he, he survived. But, yeah, they broke the shell open. So right now he has, like, a, a shell of his own design. But... Wow, that's okay. That that got dark. Like they tried to murder him by breaking his shell. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I mean that I comic doesn't pull any punches. I hear great things about that comic book. I should probably start reading it. No, it it's really good. I I like it. There's like one aspect to it that I'm not like like I kind of iffy on, but it doesn't take away from the rest of it. It's really good. I uh, I'm kind of glad to hear that TMNT is sort of this situation where they like drop things and bring them back because like. I don't know. I really, I mean, they have so really, many characters. It makes weird, sense that, but, you know, they kind of rotate yeah, stuff out. But. but like, yeah, exactly. But I like really, really, really liked everything they did with Sunshine in terms of world building. I was so bummed that they just kind of pretended it never happened for a while there. So if it's like TMNT and it circles back, or if it's now, you know, like we're starting to see it creep in without a tree, if it's now going to stick around like they did with the Mario 2 stuff, that's, that's good. Cause I feel like that was a huge missed opportunity where they, Nintendo got kind of weird and creative and then let it all fall to the wayside. Because, you know, like, something like the Piantas being those weird blobs or Egad is not the same as, like, oh, Mario was a raccoon, now he's a cat. Like, that, you know, they left Cat Mario as a thing or got rid of Cat Mario as a thing, I'd be like, whatever. But, like, the other ones were, like, so, like, like off the beaten path for Mario that it felt kind of nice. But but it's, it makes sense that, you know, when there's a huge cast, you kind of have to do that, like you're saying with TMNT. Um, yeah, but... but... Yeah, so that's Mario 3D All-Stars um, and why I want to mention it. Um, it's really one of the more quantified viable examples of how like a not animal crossing carried its weight for nintendo this year um another game that did so in a different way though was pokemon or more specifically uh the dlc from pokemon that came out throughout 2020 isle of armor crown tundra uh together the two of them helped push sword and shield into a very rare club for pokemon games more than 20 million copies sold 
they are the first pair of Pokemons, or Pokemon games, I guess, Pokemons plural and single, uh, first pair of Pokemon games to do it since Gold and Silver did it back in 2000. They are only the third combo of games to do it at all, the other, of course, being the original Red and Blue. Um, and it's really thanks to that DLC, so it's the possible combined bundle that with the base they game. They may become the best any Pokemon game overall? It, yeah. It is certainly possible. I don't remember the number that Red and Blue has. I think it's closer to 30 million, but it certainly can pass Gold and Silver, which is in the low 20 millions, I believe. Because, hmm. I mean, Nintendo was smart. They, instead of doing a third version and splitting the sales, do the DLC, release a combined bundle like they did with the base game over the holidays. I mean, just over the holiday quarter, Sword and Shield moved 1.3 million copies a year after it came out. That's more than what Mario Kart Live sold as a new game, and that was Mario Kart. And keep in mind, the the combo of Sword and Shield plus the DLC is the same price as Mario Kart Live, so it is actually a somewhat decent comparison there. Um, so yeah, it's 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 still chugging along. And to be fair, it's not all um, it's not all just Sword and Shields doing itself. Nintendo also kind of lucked into it because like Pokemon's having a moment again. I mean, we talked a few episodes ago; it's the number one merchandising brand in the world. So maybe this shouldn't be a surprise, but like. The franchise, it feels like it's a sleeping giant that just every so often wakes up again. Like, we got it with Pokemon Go, we got it back in the day, and it's happening again now with Pokemon cards. Um, like, to the point where I guess there are shortages of Pokemon cards, and, like, the Pokemon company had to issue a statement saying, we're trying to up our production of Pokemon cards, please be patient. Meanwhile, McDonald's has a Pokemon Happy Meal right now that people, it comes with cards, and people are, like, scalping them and buying them by the boatload to the point that, like, McDonald's now has to implement, this is real, uh, restrictions on how many Happy Meals a person can order, and McDonald's all over are like sold out yeah, of them. And COVID just... hoarding, purchasing tactics. Yeah, well, it it all started. I think we talked about. I feel like we talked about it a few episodes ago. I think it was um, the fact that like YouTube YouTubers are like YouTubers getting and Twitch streamers boxes of old, yeah, like old box. Yeah, because I remember Kevin, you yeah. were talking about it a little, um, like how they. Are finding old Pokemon cards, yeah, whole boxes and stuff, auctioning like them off, opening them up, yeah. Like a Blastoise was just sold for three hundred sixty thousand dollars the other day. A whole box of unopened, uh, like Series One, Gen One, uh, whatever you want to call them, cards were sold. Uh, first edition, there we go, were sold for four hundred thousand dollars back in like mid January. Like it's insane. I think it started with. It makes uh, me realize I'm seeing on Goldmine with uh, Logan Paul. I think I think he's the one that that really yeah. set off that chain of of a. Uh... Of, like, YouTubers and Twitch streamers opening them up. And, of course, because that's the main source of entertainment for kids now, YouTube and Twitch. Like, now all the kids are getting into Pokemon. Um, like, it's it's crazy how big it got. Like, Pokemon cards are, like, a thing again. And it's it's also are insane get back that to people Jason's are, like... So of, title as, uh, what were you, the, the junior champion? I uh, had two badges from my local Pokemon training card go. game league. Are you going to get back into it? That was it. Two of eight. Reclaim well, what badges, I am gonna do, I think, is I need. Yeah, I still have. Yeah, I think I have to. I'm gonna go. You know, show up. Some six year old to be like, all right, guys, get ready. I'm gonna beat you all. No, but I do have like three thousand Pokemon cards buried in my closet that I'm thinking I should probably go through and see if I have one that's worth you know a quarter of a million dollars or something because they're in good condition. I didn't really. The ones I kept in the deck were in a deck, but all the others I kept in a binder, multiple binders, just sitting there, perfectly you know flat. So hopefully, so so I could ha- I could be sitting on like some money, but. The the thing that really is is I find insane is the McDonald's situation. I mean, people were like intercepting the shipments of the Pokemon cards and getting McDonald's employees to sell them the entire boxes. 
right before this all took off for like 20 bucks. So there are people that, so basically what McDonald's doing is you get a Happy Meal, it comes in a cute little Pikachu, like Happy Meal box, and it comes with, I think, a toy and a booster pack of cards. And the cards, to my understanding, are 25 reproductions of original Pokemon cards from back in the 90s, but with a little 25th anniversary stamp on them. So people are buying up boxes of the booster packs and throwing them on eBay. And it's to the point where I actually went last night to try and because I was like, you know what? Like, I might as well for the nostalgia. I'm going to get a booster pack. I'm going to get a kid's meal and get a booster pack. Three different McDonald's. None of them had it. They all had signs that said sold out. Well, like, pr- like stapled to the like the the ordering thing in the drive through And uh, a little intel, though, there is hope. Um, right now, one of the McDonald's, like as we're recording, one of the McDonald's near me is getting a shipment of Pokemon cards right now. How, how and, did uh, people even find out? Like when these shipments were coming in, that's, that's so. Oh, we asked. Well, last night, <laughs> that's my point. It's insane. Last night, when we went to McDonald's to try and get the cards, we ended up getting McDonald's, like third McDonald's in a row. At that point, you just want a Big Mac. So we ordered, and then when we were leaving, we asked, hey, when are you getting more of the cards? Just curious. And they're like, oh, um, the truck arrives tonight. So once the breakfast menu is shut down for the day and we go to the regular menu, you should probably swing by. We'll probably have some. So, uh, while I'm sitting here recording this, this is real. Uh, my girlfriend is currently at McDonald's getting the cards. You I'm sent your girlfriend to buy Pokemon <laughs> cards. No, she volunteered. She wanted to do it. I said, that's insane. Don't do that. Because I was saying I was going to go get it on the way home. And she's like, no, I'm just going to go get it. Okay. Well, so I mean, I, I refuse to she's believe that. I'm pretty sure you, you sent her. There's, there's no, no way. dead serious. I mean, I could, I could literally – well, I don't know if she's actually driving at the moment. I was going to say, I could call her right now on the recording. That's proof, but <laughs> – Assuming she remembered to wake up, <laughs> but yeah, she was she was dead serious. Is that a thing that she that doesn't remember but then again, to she's do? Been part. <laughs> well, no, but she doesn't have any reason to wake up early today. Uh, then you should be fine. <laughs> wake up early, yeah. But um, I mean, she's been part of this ongoing drama and saga I've been going through of getting Nintendo toys from fast food. Uh, this is the first time ever that like McDonald's and Burger King both had Nintendo promotions or any two fast food places. So McDonald's has you know Pokemon, and Nintendo's doing a Switch thing at Burger King. Where they have six different toys, and you get uh, it's actually kind of nice if you get a big uh, a whopper or anything like that. You actually get a hundred platinum Nintendo points, my Nintendo points that you could apply to get stuff like the Smash invitation cards and all that. Uh, so I a week ago was like I'm gonna get the Nintendo toy at Burger King, and I went, and you know we ordered the kids meal and some real adult food and um, like big meals, and um, go through the drive through leave the drive-thru i look in the bag and i don't know what exactly it it's from the crudes i don't know why it was there i guess they didn't get the shipment yet but it was like it's a dog that looks like a furry but it has like the legs of a scorpion very confusing but we loop back into the drive-thru because we didn't like fully leave and we're like hey do you have nintendo toys we got this scorpion dog thing and they're like nope not till next week we're like oh okay well we already bought the meal i guess that's that so reasonable enough come back a week later right so i go back uh, this time I order in the app and it lets me actually specify if I want a toy for a boy, a girl, and, you know, ages four and up. So in other words, do you want the little, like, silly toddler toy or do you want, like, the Nintendo toy? And I was like, oh, well, pff, I want the Nintendo toy. And, and to be clear, I've done this both times in the dead of night because I, it's, I don't know, it feels weird to be a, a adult man buying a children's meal by myself. I mean, only in appearance. You're but definitely anyway. more of a toddler. But yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. But, uh, well, that that's the thing. So I go to Burger King. I put in the app. I want the four and up toy. And I go through and I get the meal as well as, again, real food. 
and I look in the bag and I see a yellow circle thing with red under it. And I'm like, perfect. Mario Maker 2 is one of the six toys and it's a little statue of Construction Mario in his yellow hat with his red outfit. So, you know, perfect. It's exactly what it needs to be. Get home, open the bag fully, take the fries out, take the burger out. And it's not a Mario Maker Mario. It's a toddler toy that's just three little Burger King crowns. It's not even a branded cross promotion. It's just these random like circles that you stack on one another. <laughs> and one I just happens to be yellow and one I just happens to be But you got hours of entertainment from that. I uh, got a decent enough tweet out of it, I guess. But I was just like, really? Like they said, come back. I came back. It looked correct. I put in, I at least want a toy for a child, not a toddler. And then they're like, nah, toddler. I mean, it was age appropriate So that's been my saga. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's been my, my saga. So did you give up or are you going to keep trying to get the Nintendo one? Well, honestly, well, they all look, is one. except for that Mario one and... Yeah, except for the Mario one, they all look kind of lame. Uh, I guess the Mario... The they Mar- do look kind of lame. I just... Compared to I was just doing it on I principle. Mean, if the ghost was not just, like, a sticker, yeah. the Luigi's one would probably be pretty cool. But, yeah, just the Mario one and the Mario Kart one seem halfway decent. Frankly, it's like... I didn't... I don't even know what I'm going to do with it. I don't even care that much. I just wanted to have one to just say, oh, yeah, the Nintendo did this promotion I got. And, you know, here's one of the things from it. Because, you know, like those people, like I remember when I was like a little younger, like a teen and like starting to really get into Nintendo fandom and like seeing people that had like the 1993 like Mario toys from McDonald's. I was like, oh, it'd be cool to just have one of those randomly. <laughs> so now I'm like patting myself. <laughs> but um, but yeah, in conclusion, I'm a 31 year old man who's been uh, to McDonald's, three McDonald's and two Burger Kings in the span of five days. And one year old toddler. Let's get this. Let's get this straight. Fair. I'm a 31 year old toddler who's been to three McDonald's and two Burger Kings in a span of five days in an attempt to get toys, and they've all failed, and they've given me the wrong things, and now somehow I convinced, I didn't convince, she volunteered my girlfriend to, as we're recording this, go get Pokemon cards at McDonald's. Have people been going? What is my life? I don't even. Have know. people been going crazy over these cards the same way that they went crazy for the Szechuan sauce? I don't think people are jumping on countertops and putting their shirt over their head and making weird Rick and Morty pickle Rick references, right. but yes, they definitely are. I mean, like people were buying them by the boatload. It's like the fact that McDonald's had to implement any sort of limit is just crazy to me. Like that shouldn't be a thing. Like it, it's happy days. Like I feel honestly, I feel bad for, and I'm almost. This is why I'm not like getting a bunch of packs. I just want one to say I have it. But I feel bad for kids that like want their Pokemon toy and don't necessarily care about the car, but want the toy because it all comes together. So all the toys are sold out too at McDonald's and the Pikachu boxes, presumably. So like a kid that saw a commercial, like, oh, I want like a whatever, whatever, literally can't get because there's all these people like me and then real scalpers and people who are way more obsessive who are like snatching them all up. So maybe that, maybe the Burger King thing was like preemptive karma against me because <laughs> I'm taking away things from children. But um, yeah, so that's that's my tale of fast food. Which woe. place was it? Um, which place was it that had the? Yeah, I think it was when the first Pokemon movie came out with the big Pokeballs and the golden oh, cards. Burger King. I have one of those actually. King. I have the um, Jigglypuff. Yeah. I don't know if I got it at Burger King or through a friend or what, but yeah, those were hard to come by too. I remember that. We definitely got into Burger King. We still have the. I know we still have one of the Pokeballs, but we have like. We had three at one point. We had like a Pikachu, Jigglypuff, and Potty Not Wall, Not to get on too much of a fast food tangent because there's still Pokemans to discuss among other things. But um, what happened to Burger King's fries? Like why do they suck now? I mean they don't suck, but McDonald's is so much better. Like 
Burger King, I remember around the time of the Pokemon Gold and Silver Plate things, um, Burger King and McDonald's were having like a French fry war, and Burger King had better fries, and McDonald's got better fries. Burger King was somehow king of French fries at one point, even though their name says otherwise, and yet their fries are not that great anymore. Didn't they, didn't they re, they like did something to them recently, and they had like a whole ad campaign about how they changed up their fries, not, but they tasted they're like, exactly the I same like to McDo- me. I like McDonald's with perfect amount of salt, and they're thicker. Are they're they thicker, thicker now, or are they thicker? But like the Burger Kings are a little mushier, for lack of a better term, but I like the crisp like McDonald's ones with the salt in them. Yeah. Burger Kings, like, they're not bad. They're fine, but they're not great. <laughs> and it's, it's, and considering I had to eat Burger King twice in five days, and McDonald's. Good thing I'm doing Ring Fit, really, is what the takeaway here is. <laughs> Good thing I'm doing Ring Fit. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy that like Pokemon, you know, hit the point where this is all happening 25 years into the franchise. And like now they, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about how Kate Perry's doing a song with them. And that came out the other day that came out. They announced the other day that Post Malone's doing a Pokemon concert on Pokemon Day, February 27th. That'll be streamed on. Oh, the YouTube guy that ruined Sunflower. Yes, correct. Um, which he'll be adapting to Sunflora for the concert, I would assume. But yeah, he, I, that's a weird pairing. I know, I'm sorry. I should just, I should just leave. Have a good rest of the show. No, but, um, that's a strange pairing, Post Malone and Pokemon. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's digital. I'm not quite sure what they're doing, but it, it'll be something. Um, but honestly, it's like stuff like the Happy Meals and stuff like Post Malone's concert. It's sort of these big, marketing pushes that i think are really what is sort of setting nintendo apart with how they're doing in terms of money from um you know other companies and goes to show just how they make so much money like i was saying this on twitter the other day but like you know we as the nintendo fandom are always like oh what's next what we need the new thing which you know for better or worse we're obsessive with that like you've got people speculating wildly now because the post malone press release had a blurb of there will be announcements during the pokemon week Pokemon Days Week, and it's like, oh, well, what are they announcing? Is it a game? Like, what game? Better be? It has to be the Diamond and Pearl remake, right? And like, like everyone's like going crazy about it. Um, meanwhile, like what Nintendo's sitting there and doing is actually marketing. Uh, like what they're selling at this point mm. that's generating all these numbers are not new things. It's marketing old things, things that have been out for a year, for two years, some cases even long, you know, even longer than that. During uh, the Q and A portion of the financial report conference call nintendo's president shatoru uh, furukawa noted that of all the sell-through of first party games in this fiscal year 60 percent of them were from previous years if you take animal crossing out of that equation because technically it was from a previous year um or if you add animal crossing to that equation i mean it's actually 80 percent. so only 20 percent of things that are released after april have affected their numbers after april remove animal crossing you're talking 60 percent. that's still over half and you know, it, it's just interesting because, like, it probably seemed a bit backwards for us diehards to see something like uh, in the Super Bowl. Nintendo ran a commercial just for kickoff as Serena Williams playing Mario Tennis Aces. And that seems weird to someone like us who have had Mario Tennis Aces on our shelves for, like, two, three years. But I argue for Nintendo is a very smart, calculated move because beyond just having the celebrity endorsement – you know, they know how the likes of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and Odyssey and New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, they know all those Marios have done really well and have been kind of their evergreens. And now they're looking at, well, okay, the people that played those, what do they now want to play? So in the same way that like Mario Tennis Aces was sort of a next step release for us fans two years ago after uh, we played all those other games, now Nintendo's circling back and doing the exact same thing with the broader audience as since bought Switches. So it's, it's interesting that... 
for an industry that's always looking ahead, how Nintendo really doesn't. And I think it's partly why we're also seeing the sign renewed interest from Nintendo in Clubhouse games. I mean, Clubhouse games was a game that came out last summer, had very little fanfare. Nobody ever really talks about it, save for like a single, in my opinion, well-deserved shout-out it got at the very start of the New York Game Awards a couple weeks back, the thing Reggie hosted. Um, somewhat, like the first game mentioned at the awards was Clubhouse Games. Like, oh, that's kind of cool. But as you guys you know, may recall from my impression last summer, if you're looking for a collection of tabletop games and, and then some, like Clubhouse Games is really good at doing that. It does a killer job of that. But not very many people knew about it because Nintendo didn't really market it. I mean, it did sell a respectable $2 million so far. Uh, but for Nintendo, that's probably just, you know, they look at that and see an opportunity to blow it up even bigger. Like all those folks who played Super Mario Party, you know, the, now the best selling Mario Party ever, uh, maybe they want other main game collections. Maybe they want Clubhouse games. Even even in the Q&A, Furukawa was saying that during the Here holidays... the top 100 on Switch, cowards. They should do that, yeah. But Furukawa was saying in the um, briefing, or in the Q&A, that 20% of all the Switch hardware sold this past holiday quarter was by... House or two households that already had a Switch. It was for additional Switches. And a game like Clubhouse Games really is at its best when you're playing on your own separate devices to hold your, you know, deck of, your hand of cards separately from one another or to connect the Switches to do some of the like ear connected screen mini games. So now, even though Clubhouse Games to us is like old and boring, like it's actually for Nintendo a great opportunity to kind of drum it up, which is why we have two different commercials out of nowhere suddenly for Clubhouse Games 15 months after it first came out. And I guess to me, it just feels like, you know, there's sort of this second lap so many early uh, first party releases are doing. And I don't mean like the constant endless lap of Cart or Smash or Breath of the Wild. I mean, you know, the tennises, the clubhouses. It feels like it's only possible because Nintendo's now, at least in my opinion, past the point of trying to sell people on the system of the Switch. They've already accomplished that. It's ubiquitous. It's in commercials for pet food. Like I saw on Go Nintendo, that Blue Buffalo pet food randomly has a Switch in it. Like, TV shows drop them like no big deal. Like, it's just a thing, the way iPods used to be a thing. Like, you know, I was watching the last season of The Good Place. Um, great show. I'm a little late to the party, I know. And there's just a throwaway Switch joke in there. And it's just like, that only works if people are like, all right, the Switch is a thing. And not really trying to be sold on what the Switch is. Like, it's established. And I think, as silly as that may sound, it, it may be, or as silly as what I'm about to say may sound, I think the clearest sign that we've reached this point of, like, the Switch is, like, a lifestyle product that everyone knows is the, uh, and this is real, Nintendo Switch concierge service that Nintendo just launched. Uh, it's basically like Apple Genius appointments. So Nintendo allows you to book a 30-minute one-on-one video session, kind of funny, funnily enough, using uh, Microsoft Teams. Uh, and you get to learn the ins and outs of the Switch. There are six different services, Switch 101, games for getting started, games for what to play next, security and privacy, Nintendo account customization. And if this doesn't scream we're a lifestyle product now i don't know what does because now nintendo's not doesn't even need to convince people to buy the switch they need to convince people what to do once they have a switch like that's a whole new problem it's not even you know it's why should you buy a switch it's okay well you bought into the switch hype so here's what you can do with it which is a whole different ball game and that's probably why they're able to sort of circle back and do this other marketing um it also makes me for the hmm. switch because i mean compared to the other consoles on the market it's the most basic like it literally just plays games yeah, there isn't really much else to it compared to you know the PS5 and the Xbox Series well, X, which yeah, I feel if anything like those of you would need it like oh I could do this with those two that's kind of cool, but this one is just like yeah just plays games. Yeah, the fact that they had the concierge for something that just plays games it kind of makes me think like 
they're really you know it's switch is just a household name so they're at the point where it's like how you tell the moms of the little timmies of the world what this thing does there's kids like i want to switch and the parents like i don't know anything about video games like nintendo can you like tell me what this is and you know they get 30 minutes to learn um which does make me wonder like why didn't we think of this like we could charge like five we all know stuff we could charge like five bucks to some unknowledgeable parent we could have been there for little timmy's moms everywhere making some money to tell them about the switch obviously it won't work but i i do do you think that <laughs> little timmy will ever get a sibling uh you know maybe um what would his name Not be? Not that. He's been little for like 10 years at this point. It's, it's true. But it's kind of like, um, you know, little John's still little. Checkmate. <laughs> but no, I... <laughs> yep. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what his sibling would be. But but I do I do wonder, like, now that I think about it, I don't even think... I, I Like, I was joking, like, oh, we should up. And now I'm like, we totally... Andrew, I think you'd be the best if we were if we were to host uh, like a Switch concierge search. I think you'd be the best because you work with elementary school kids in a computer lab and know how to like explain technology. But I feel like if I tried to do it, I'd get buried in the weeds of some random, granular, minuscule fact that doesn't matter. And it'd be like a two-hour call instead of a thirty-minute call. In other words, it'd be a podcast like this one. And then Kevin, I feel like if you did it they'd say like so what's this kingdom hearts about and you just get triggered and go on a whole tear about kingdom hearts or something like i think angel of they're the bunch they're re-releasing <laughs> all the games on pc are you buying all the games and on pc if i buy if i buy it especially the kingdom hearts 1.5 plus 2.5 remix that oh, will nice. be the f- fourth or fifth time that i buy kingdom hearts 1 and 2 and I'm, are they on i don't know okay with are they living probably. Uh, they're gonna be on Epic, Epic Game Store, and and you're okay you with could possibly look forward buying to mods times? though. Oh, I didn't think of that. Well, now he's oh here. no, why would you do this <laughs> to me? <laughs> yeah, like I see, and this is what's gonna happen: is a parent's gonna be like, "So melody of memory, like my kid likes music and likes Disney. What's this melody of memory thing?" You're like, "Well, I would, t- I would tell the whole her, universe tell, of Kingdom Hearts. I would tell her, don't even bother, <laughs> just run, turn away." And and then Nintendo would be like, "What?" and and cut you loose. Don't discourage sales. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. What? I wonder what. What sort of mod would you want to see in Kingdom Hearts, Con? Oh man, what would I want to see in there? <laughs> I want Keanu Reeves' character from Cyberpunk to <laughs> as a skin for Sora. Perfect. All right. <laughs> that will probably happen. Well. Did they fix the modding issue in Cyberpunk? Did they fix that bug where like mods in Cyberpunk were breaking the game? Yeah, because I they, they fixed okay it. then. They, so they that game. I, I, finally un- okay. I finally uninstalled that game. I'm just done with it. I'm probably never going back. Yeah. For more thoughts on that, again to plug our last QC, I think that's when you went in depth on Cyberpunk, right? Or was it two QCs ago? I think it was two QCs ago. Wow. Listen, folks, just just go through the archive of episodes mm-hmm. if you're not up to date. There's quality content to be had. Anyway, I guess my point, though, was, uh, you know, I, I keep talking about, like, the movers and shakers for Switch. Like, the real litmus test for 2021, I feel like, isn't it, – it, it isn't necessarily, you know, is 3D World going to be big? Because that's going to be a huge hit, obviously. Like, Mario U Deluxe sold over 9 million copies with basically no new content. It's the 10th best-selling game on the system with basically no new content. So if you have 3D World with new content, obviously that's going to sell well. But I'm curious to see whether this kind of, like, B-tier secondary evergreen wave actually takes off, like, Nintendo's positioning too. Like, is – you know, Mario Tennis could get a second life. Is Clubhouse Games going to get a second life? And kind of with that in mind, 
I'm trying to think like what other Switch games. There's got to be some that like. Are there any first party Switch games or even third party ones you feel didn't get their due or the ones you want to deserve? Like you feel deserve a second chance because this is the moment. Nintendo's doing it. So if there's one you want to shout out and hope someone that Nintendo's listening, it's now. First party? I, haven't they all been hits to like a varying degree? Yeah, they have, but there's some that like, like I feel like one, I mean, Angel said earlier, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, like it, it springs to mind to me because, you know, it sold better than on Wii U, but it wasn't the runaway hit of like some of the Mario's, but you know, the 40th anniversary is this year. So there's an opportunity there for more people to experience like the Donkey Kong revival, which I think is probably deserved for the game. Right. Did, you know, and I'm actually uh, surprised Nintendo didn't do that themselves. Uh, like, why did they not pitch that to the people that bought Mario U? Like, it's such an obvious, like, well, if you like this, you'll like that type of thing. I know, Andrew, you've always talked about ARMS, but but that seems more like you want a sequel than a, a second shot. Yeah, I, I just one. wanted to expand on it. Like, I feel like there's more to the, there's more they can do to make it more interesting. Because, you know, like I always say, I it's the funnest game in the world for like 10 seconds and then it just gets pretty <laughs> boring. Yeah. But the well, lore is, but the lore is great if the only way to expand on it. But that comic we never got or whatever. But, yeah. Right, right. One, one I'm kind of surprised I haven't done um, is Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Like, that seems like another good candidate to have renewed activity around, especially because the MCU has renewed activity right now. Like, obviously they can't tie it in directly, but WandaVision's out now. Falcon and Winter Soldier comes out in, like, March or something. Um, Loki, I think, is in May. And all this, like, this is kind of the first real, like, new content to consume since the pandemic really took hold. Um, and it feels like they have an opportunity there to kind of boost Marvel Ultimate Alliance because it did sell over a million. But when you look at that versus the evergreens that send, sell 10, 15, 20 million, they're not going to get that number. But they could certainly sell more than what they sold. Like Astral Chain maybe is another example where they could, you know, people that bought some other games may, since that came out, maybe that's an opportunity to sort of double dip on those folks. Like it just, it just seems yeah. like there's a lot of first part games that just kind of let fall to the wayside and not worry about. Although Astral Chain is interesting. I think they, um, I think Platinum Games just gave up the rights entirely to Nintendo, or there's something that happened because they used to have the copyright with both their names on it on the Astral Chain website, and now it only says Nintendo's name on it, on the actual like copyright. So maybe there is plans to do something with uh, Astral. I don't know. But are there any other first-party games that really kind of like seem like, oh, well, that was cool. Why didn't more people care? I first think party the ones or were... third-party. Oh, uh, well, third-party. That's. Huh. But, I mean, uh, first-party obviously Rhythm Heaven, but. Kind of can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah, same. I can't really think that's of anything. Fair. That's right. Yeah, I mean, and to Kevin, your point, they all have had some degree of success. I think the only thing that's actually bombed by Nintendo is Sushi Striker, if anyone remembers that game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, but, I just be being a dead horse at this point, but I can't think of anything new that I feel deserved more attention, I guess, besides right. the obvious, but yeah. Oh, there right. was that, that, like, Ninja PvP game. Ninjala? I feel like I heard... Which one? Ninjala? Yeah, Ninjala. I feel like I heard a lot about that game the week it came out, and then just nothing afterwards. You know what's crazy about Ninjala is it went on to like got a download six million times. Got a Sonic crossover. That's all I really know about it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, Sonic and uh, there's another one I'm forgetting, but yeah, it, it's kind of chugging along in the background. Um, but that, that actually brings up an interesting point: is that like, you know, we're talking about Nintendo's first party money making, but like, Switch has a lot of opportunities for third party. Like, Nintendo makes money off those third party games too, and there's a lot of opportunities for third parties. I mean, the fact that like Among Us sold 3.2 million copies on Switch just in December is kind of wild to me. Like, if you think about it, like this is a free game you can play on any device, but on Switch, 3.2 million people are like, yeah, I'm gonna give the five bucks and get this. 
And it, it's been interesting that these past couple weeks, um, it, we're starting to sort of get a sense of how different publishers are now approaching the Switch. Um, really what I want to mention was Activision, who continues their streak of very questionable choices. Uh, two episodes in a row now, because last episode we talked about them dissolving Vicarious Visions. And uh, their new move, while not as direct, but I'd argue is equally puzzling, is why they still aren't playing Call of Duty on Switch yet. Um, and to, to give a little context here, so we have two other publishers who seem to know the way around the Switch and have been talking up their plans in the last few weeks. First, you've got Ubisoft. Now, Ubisoft has been on board with Switch for quite a while. Like early on, you know, they did Mario Rabbids, Kingdom Battle with Nintendo. Uh, likewise, marketing-wise, uh, they teamed up with Nintendo pretty routinely to promote uh, Just Dance. The Serena Williams Switch Super Bowl ad I mentioned, along with Mario Tennis, Just Dance was featured in it. Uh, and month after month, like Just Dance is the one third-party game to chart on the Switch. Uh, in fact, the January MPD just came out the other day. There's not a whole lot to say that isn't covered by Nintendo's main financials, but it's noteworthy that Just Dance is literally the only non-Nintendo game in the Switch's top 20. Um, and they figured out what works, you know, like Immortal Phoenix Rising, they claim it's doing quite well on Switch. Brawlhalla, they've, that's been a free-to-play hit for them for a while. And, you know, they also have ports of kind of more standard games like Assassin's Creed and that sort of thing. Uh, multiple Assassin's Creed, in fact. Uh, so that's, so Ubisoft kind of like found their groove. Now look at someone who dragged their feet with Switch initially. EA, right? Granted, they're still on kind of like a proving ground stage at this point, but they did promise us seven games. And they appear to be making their way through their list. We got Need for Speed. We got Burnout. We've got rumors of uh, Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare coming out in March. We just Ooh, got confirmation. Gonna yeah, I've it's going to be a complete edition. What? I've always wanted to play that one. But yeah, and, even and, though I, I, I think I have it on PS4, but I don't know. I If, if it's like a, just coming out on a console, you know, ground floor on a console, I'm definitely don't to give it a shot. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, it looks, makes, yeah. and it makes sense for Switch. Like, it fits the demographic. Like, that's the thing is like Ubisoft, you know, they found games that fit the demographic with like Just Dance and Immortal Phoenix Rides and kind of piggybacks on, uh, Breath of the Wilds fans. And obviously Mario and Rabbids has the Mario fandom. And then they also did some standard stuff with Assassin's Creed. And EA seems to be kind of following that pattern because you got some standard stuff like Need for Speed. You got some catering to the audience like obviously the folks that like garden warfare could be or the folks like splatoon garden warfare is kind of cut from that same cloth and then you got like unravel one and two which came to switch and then of course ea also has like the free-to-play thing in the same way that ubi has uh brawlhalla ea confirmed march 9th apex legends is that's when it's coming out finally uh the new the rumor that they're gonna do something on february 2nd was announced as coming march 9th to go figure. But they're having panic button develop it. Like those guys are like the pros at porting the Switch. They did Rocket League, they did Doom. Like they're the one of the them and uh I forgot the name of the guys down in Australia, but there's like two or three studios that are like the good porters and they're one of them. Um so yeah, like even EA seems to be getting it. And I think I actually think it's kinda of interesting what they're doing with Apex. Um so it's coming out late. Like season eight, I guess, started on February second, and they're releasing yeah. this a month later. But like Kevin, they're like doing a. Did you read up on this at all? They're doing like a catch up thing where they're gonna like apply extra experience automatically to Switch players. Like, does that that seems like it's gonna mess things up? Like, uh, well, I mean, it's not, it, no. I, it's not gonna be cross play, right? I mean, I it is. It. No, it is. It it's gonna be cross play. Yeah. Oh, the game right now mm-hmm. is cross play. But like, they're I think they're like boosting people like to level thirty automatically, which just makes me think like, well, if you're doing matchmaking based on skill and you have a fake level added. Am I overthinking this? <laughs> is it not a problem? It, it kind of uh, bounces out over time. I mean, though, do they say the battle pass down? or your level? 
I believe your level. Oh, maybe it was battle okay. pass. I don't know, actually. If it, if it's battle pass, that's fine. If it's level, that might be an issue because I believe to unlock ranked, you have to be level 25. So you must have played the game a decent amount before you can get into ranked play. Mm, so okay, that so might be an issue. Right. But the but your rank also doesn't determine uh, your skill. That's the Your skill is actually uh, like a background number. Your, your elo is... Because I've seen people who are the the top rank that you can get is five hundred, but if you're playing ranked, or, or I guess your your top level will be five hundred. That's as high as you can go. But mm. I've seen people who are level five hundred who are still like bronze players. So that that has nothing to do with uh, your I skill. See. I see. If anything, it just unlocks ranked play immediately for Switch players. Gotcha. I, I'm very curious to try it. Like the fact that they have panic button doing it give me a pretty big boost, uh, confidence boost. That's gonna be a good port. Kind of wish that they had gotten the guys that did Rogue Company because I heard that that was an excellent port. Was that um, one in house? Don't did get me wrong. Panic, panic button out? does does good stuff too, but I feel like for a game as fast paced as Apex, oh, I right. guess Panic Button also did the ports yeah. for um, Doom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how those run on Switch. I don't know if they're 60 or not. They're 30, yeah. Hmm. Okay, That's well, the thing. we'll see how Figure that turns well, out. Yeah, time will tell. Um, but yeah, but but even then, like regardless of you know how, I guess, the port handles itself, the fact that EA is now sort of following the same cadence of, all right, we got some standard games, we got some demographic care, we got big free-to-play. Okay, so EA gets it. Like, they see what Ubisoft's doing. Ubisoft has declared they're the... Or, statistically they are the number one third party on switch ea's following that path so so i brought these up because activision so let's circle back to activision um they check one of the boxes they have the stereotypical demographic fit like we get crash we get spyro they just announced that crash 4 it's about time arrives on switch on march 12th um i've that was good i've heard good things about it have either of you checked it out on like ps4 or anything is it good um no just just i've heard good things about it that's pretty much about it. Yeah, like the... I the, heard it was the, a another Crash game, which is exactly what people have been uh, clamoring for for a while, so nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, and, and they did that, some, Or go ahead. I mean, as I say, the only thing I've noticed that you play through levels, some levels as Dingle Dio and Tana, and That's what about they have their own mechanics. There's like a whole, like, painting the world to progress, and... You know, it's shifting between two different times, which essentially means like, oh, get off of this platform before it disappears and be ready mm-hmm. to jump back onto it. But no, that's cool. Yeah, so, it's it's so nice eventually. to see it. Yeah, and uh, and it's it's interesting because it's only going to be forty bucks. Meanwhile, you have something like Battle Wonderland or Wonder World, whose demo well, you could hear about last episode, and that's sixty bucks. So kind of funny how different companies value things. But anyway. Activision's at least checking that box. And to be fair, like the Blizzard side of Activision supports Switch a bit better. We got Diablo 2, we got Overwatch, we're getting Overwatch 2 when it's out, whenever that is. I think they just delayed it to like 2022 at the earliest, so it's going to be a while. Um, but from the Activision side, there's literally nothing else. Like Tony Hawk felt like a shoe in, but that didn't happen. And the one I'm really scratching my head about is, like I said, Call of Duty. Like, not because I necessarily need to see like CGI Ronald Reagan in on my Switch, but like, just sort of like the principle of it, I mean, I guess. you clearly do. But I, I guess the thing that bothers me is like, I, okay, I do. But yeah, the thing that bothers me is not so much like I'm going to play Black Ops Cold War. It's the principle of like, and I know it sounds like a silly reason, but I look at the Switch 
and I see every other major player involved. I look at Switch and see how so many free-to-play titles are successful and huge. I mean, we just talked about Ninja having 6 million downloads, and there's Fortnite, then there's Warframe, then there's Rogue Company. Like, there's there tons of them. And then I look at Switch again and see how a lot of these companies are actually putting their mobile free-to-plays on Switch. Again, Fortnite is with you play against mobile players uh world of tanks blitz when it came to switch was the mobile version uh elder scrolls blades from bethesda that's a mobile game and so i look at activision and they're now saying like just last week that they're taking the call of duty approach of how to handle a franchise and doing it across all their ips so what they have with call of duty is a premium experience with a game like cold uh cold war the free to play element of war zones and then an entire other free-to-play on devices that can't run those other two Call of Duties, mobile, with Call of Duty Mobile. And I'm just sitting here thinking, like, how does Switch have none of these? Do they really think that of the 80 million Switches out there, not one person would want a portable but slightly watered-down War Zones in the same way that, like, some people want a portable but slightly down Apex Legends? And, okay, maybe War Zones doesn't work, sure. But not a single person out there wants a non-touch control Call of Duty mobile. I know that's not true because mobile supports Bluetooth controllers. So it just seems like, like maybe I'm being crazy for caring, but it just seems like such a weird hole in the Switch lineup given how everything else is coming to Switch. It's done well. The Wii had multiple Call of Duties. The Switch, by Nintendo's own account, is now on track to surpass the total of Wii sales. It will sell over 100 million. Wii U had a Call of Duty, and that's, you know, the Switch surpassed its sales six times over now. So it's just like, I don't know. It just seems like a weird... Call of Duty is one of the biggest game franchises. It just seems weird not to have that jewel in the Switch crown at this point. I Maybe I care too much. I don't know. It just struck me as I so I guess strange. by that logic, you can also say that uh, why isn't Take-Two supporting the Switch? Like, because GTA is one of the biggest games of all time. Well, I mean, there, there's Take-Two do, but Take Two does support the Switch. Bioshock, Borderlands. You mean Rockstar? You mean Rockstar, right? No, Take Two is the publisher, aren't they? Well, they they're, own they're, Rockstar. Yeah, yeah. Some somebody, yeah, somebody's the holding company for Rockstar. Yeah. So, so Take Two, the oh. holding company for Rockstar, does support Switch with Borderlands and and uh, Bioshock, and uh, there's a third one that they did that I'm blanking out on. They had three they released back to back to back. Um, but yes, right, they but, did. But they are, but they are releasing stuff the same way that Activision is. But they're yes. just, it's like that's they're true. just not doing it with their biggest game. That's what, that's and that's what true. And, and honestly, I have that same question to Rockstar. Like, obviously, GTA V can run on Switch because it ran on PS3 and 360. They could even just do, you know, GTA Online if they wanted. Like, there's, there's a, it is strange again that there's a gap in the another crown, another jewel missing from the crown. In that case, because like GTA actually they have attempted to do stuff on Nintendo platforms, Chinatown Wars on the DS. And if I remember correctly, it didn't sell huge, but it didn't fail either. It was some like middle ground. So if you look at 80 million people, you gotta wonder like why are they not doing it? it? It's I guess maybe they're waiting to see if you know EA has success. Ubisoft obviously had success, but they've always had success with Nintendo. So maybe it's just kind of a wait and see thing. But it's a huge audience that they're kind of just leaving hanging. We'll see. We'll see. It's just so strange to me that Call of Duty isn't there. Um, but but. Let's not end on a sour note of where's my Call of Duty. Instead, hmm. last topic. Let's talk about something that should be negative. You of all people saying that as well. It's pretty funny. I know. Just in principle. That's what's funny. And that's why I kept being like, I don't know if I'm crazy for caring. Like, it's the principle more than the game. Although I do have Black Ops 2 on the Wii U. I think it was Black Ops 2. And that was fun. So, like, I, I used to really like playing Call of Duty at a friend's house on the, in the 360 days. So, I, I would consider downloading your game, Activision. That's right. If you port it, I'll consider downloading it. Um, but no, let's not end on a sour note. Let's talk about something that should be negative on paper, but Angel, you and I were talking about this, and 
surprisingly, you're okay with this. Um, the new NES and Super Nintendo games joining Switch Online this month, which is a who's who of games no one's heard of. But like you, I thought you'd be mad, but you seemed okay with it. What's up? What gives? I don't really have any reason to be mad. I barely use the th- the service to begin with, so what do I have any right to complain about what they put on there? I mean, if anything, um, the fact that they're all extremely unknown games, I feel makes it more interesting because, um, you know, if they put like, you know, say your, I don't even know what else. I mean, I've only ever been complaining about like, give me my Donkey Kong Country and Country 2. And, you know, they even threw in Country 3, but... I don't know, I feel like I'd be like, oh, that's cool that it's on there, and then I proceed to not play it. So the fact <laughs> that there are games I've never heard of, uh, if anything, makes me want to try them out, or at least I acknowledge the service a little more than before. For And for those so, who don't know the yeah. games, um, we're talking Psycho <laughs> Which Dream. Which you won't. <laughs> Which you we're won't. Talking, I know, right? We're yeah. talking 1992 Psycho Dream for the Super Nintendo. Doomsday Warrior, also from 1992 for the Super Nintendo. A banger. Prehistoric Man for the Super Nintendo from 1995, and Fire oh, and Ice, banger. Tecmo's 1992 little-known sequel to Solomon's Key. Which is kind of meh. <laughs> um, I will say, I didn't know I knew one of these games until I started watching footage of Prehistoric Man, and I realized I have actually played that game when I was a kid. Somehow. That, so that's a, that seems to be the sentiment on Twitter, where there was a lot of people who were like, huh, I've actually played Prehistoric Man. Like I saw a lot of that going around. Yeah, it's familiar, but it's not it just that one. It looks very familiar, but it's definitely not the one I was thinking of. You were uh, thinking of, I bet, Adventure Island, Super Adventure Island. No, definitely not. No, the, the, there's a bonk. prehistoric man <laughs> comparing comparing game I and mean, playing prehistoric man controlling game that I once played in an arcade a long time ago in Mexico. Was it I know bonk? it's like a game that I'll, I don't know what it is, but I know like you're like a caveman and you're rescuing like your caveman wife or something who got kidnapped in the beginning it's a much lower paced game hmm. but yeah it's definitely not that one yeah it, it's I mean, weird it though, though i mean it like, looks fast paced it looks interesting it, it's just weird because like i was watching the footage nintendo put out and i'm like huh what is this and then i went on youtube and there's like a scream attack that prehistoric man can do and the second he did it i'm like oh my god i played this game like i, I recognize that sound like the sound it wasn't any of the visuals it wasn't it was the sound and seeing the sound come out of like a caveman <laughs> that triggered it. it wasn't anything else but um yeah like it, it i think you're kind of on something there angel that like if they're gonna do games and there's nothing in demand you might as well do the more obscure stuff like i do like the idea of switch online becoming sort of the spot to like discover obscure pieces of gaming history that you probably have never yeah because you know what because at the end of the day like I, we're gonna complain about like oh this is a fifth time they've released this game because you know they're slowly going through every game they've ever released and all of a sudden they throw this really big curveball where it's like i had never even heard of this like was this even an actual super nintendo game <laughs> like there's a few games on the service already that um a friend and i kind of just like one day on a saturday just went through every game on there just like going in order and there were a bunch that we played that i never heard of like one i think it's called like what are you looking at punk or something just re- these weird games a lot of these weren't that great and we ended up finding out that a lot of the ones that weren't that great were all by the same person <laughs> or the same company. And we're like, whoa, where did this company come from? And why does Nintendo have so many Jaleco games on the oh, service? Oh, J- like, was huge at one point. Yeah. They had that bunny rabbit mascot. Yeah. They were a big player. Well, well relatively big. Well, they're, well, yeah, well, they're new to us. Super, so we were yeah. like, why are all these games on here? And why are they also like 
look interesting on a, in, in the beginning, but then you play them and they're like just okay. I, I should rephrase. But, they weren't a big player. They were like the Natsume of their time. Uh, so like you know like you know like people are like oh Harvest Moon or like oh Legend of the River King and they're like oh Natsume okay like it's it was that <laughs> um but yeah it's I think the downfall though is it is really cool that they're doing these kind of one off like weird pieces of game history but I think they need at least one game that has some clout or name recognition to make the update like marketable like in Japan this that, update comes with Shin Megami Tensei two. Why didn't we get Shin Megami? Which, no, it's like my favorite Shin Megami. So, like, well, my point is like that's a recognizable name. Or like even like okay, they want to do Prehistoric Man, then throw on Adventure Island because at least Adventure Island has like a little more like name recognition and is kind of similar. So you could be like, oh, compare and contrast or something like I don't know. It just I feel like in a way like Switch Online is currently being run by Nintendo. Almost to to bring this episode full circle, it almost feels like they treat Switch Online like how they treat their Evergreens. Like they invest up front. And then they're just sort of now riding it out. Like, cause, you know, the fact is Nintendo makes something like half a billion dollars off Switch Online subscriptions in its current barebone state. So why necessarily would they need to go pay high licensing fees to get some big name NES Super Nintendo games when they can also just, you know, keep making half a million dollars? No, just kidding. I mean, half a billion dollars. Um, and like to, to really exemplify this, a story came out the other week that only now, for the first time in a decade, is Switch actually updating their matchmaking server architecture from something called NEX, which they bought from Ubisoft and customized back in like 2010, to a new thing called something like NHLP or NLHP. And as far as we're concerned as players, it's not going to make a difference. Um, I believe Monster Hunter Rise is the first game that's going to use the new architecture. But the fact that Nintendo, you know, they're waiting a decade to be like, okay, now maybe we should update, like kind of shows... They're going to ride this out as long as they can with minimal effort, which, you know, I guess more power to them. Even game trials kind of fall under this. Like, what's a Isn't new that thing? like your motto as well? No, not entirely. Ride through life with minimal effort? I do enjoy minimal effort sometimes, but I would argue compiling all these numbers for this episode was not minimal. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, no, it, it, what I was going to say, though, is like, even if you look at like what Nintendo's adding as value adds, like, we were talking about early on when Tetris 99 came out, how cool it would be if Nintendo had exclusive games for Switch Online members. And they kind of did it with Mario 35, but it's limited. Um, but they stopped at those two. And meanwhile, the thing they're really drumming up now are game trials. There's one for Overcooked 2 right now through the 16th. And, you know... Right now? Right now. Right this second, right if you're listening before the 16th. And, you know, it's one of those things that, like, it's a good way to add value to the platform, to the subscription service, without actually doing much. Like, they don't have to do anything. They're just making a game download and signing a contract with someone. Like so, you know, this and these sorts of games kind of make sense if they're kind of skating by with Switch Online. It's why probably we haven't seen Game Boy games or N sixty four games because like they have. I think last number I heard was like twenty six million subscriptions for Switch Online. That's probably from a year ago. It's probably gone up since. So you know, let's say half of the eighty million people have Switch Online. Twenty bucks a year, forty million people. It's a lot of lot of money and with minimal effort. So I kind of get why they're doing this, and I do appreciate the. Uh, gaming history lessons of prehistoric man and doomsday warrior but you know it, it, i think it would keep fans happy without too much more work to throw in at least one name that's recognizable but i am curious to try prehistoric man and see how much i actually remember of it um hmm. yeah that that's i'm off my soapbox that's it that i think that's the whole episode unless you guys have anything else nope okay me. Did you want to give your ten seconds of Captain Marvel impressions, Angel, or however long it was? Um, I, I I enjoyed it. I I don't know. I 
think I assumed it was not going to be as good as I expected. I think my expectations were just not that high. Or I think I just had no expectations, but, you know, Samuel L. Jackson is always fun to watch. Um, I, I check it out if you need something to watch and you feel like watching a Marvel movie. But it's definitely... I definitely have, like... I think other Marvel movies are still much higher on my personal list. Not that I'm a big Marvel oh, yeah. fan or anything. Yeah. But if I had to, like, rank them, I think this one just kind of suffers from either been there, done that-itis, even though it's, like, way more dense because of the whole, like... You know, it's very much a Phase 3 movie where, you know, like, you, you can't just really watch this one without having seen a lot of the other ones. Right. Yeah, otherwise, yeah, a lot of it just kind of falls flat if it doesn't. But, you know, I mean, at this point, it's... I feel they're more akin to just like a TV show of anything. It just is kind of weird. It's like you can't I mean, really. They really are. To... Yeah. Yeah. It's to the point that now there are also movies. TV shows. Yeah. So now it's like, yeah, you eventually there's going to be a movie, and you're like, oh, you didn't watch WandaVision? Well, I tough luck. You're going to have to just go with it, I guess. But yeah, you're just gonna have to be confused. So, yeah, you're just gonna be super yeah. confused. But uh, I will say that, you know, any of Captain Marvel, that was kind of a nice bookend because we started with Cat Mario. Captain Marvel has that cat goose in it. Like, it all comes full circle just with a whole bunch of sales numbers in the middle. So You mean the flurkin goose? But yeah. Yeah, well, spoiler alert. But yes. They say that from the very beginning. Don't want to come down. Oh, that's right. Well, anyway, he's no, a cat on her. Cat. So, that's a fl- you know. Yeah, the whole joke is like, that's a cat. Like, no, it's a flurkin. And then you right, later right. realize yeah. what that me- really means. I guess. And, you know, Cat Mario is actually a Mario, not a cat. So it still works, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So I, I, you know, it was a very, a very catty episode. Um. So at this, yeah, at this rate, who knows even what next episode is going to look like? We have Pokemon Day, uh, on the twenty seventh of February, and our episode goes up the day after. So if they announce news going into Pokemon Day, maybe I have some Pokemon news. Otherwise, we'll see. We'll see. Probably not cats. Probably not cats. But the only way to make sure or to find out whether it's cats or not is to follow and subscribe to the show. So you can follow us on Twitter at Randomly. Subscribe to us on all the apps, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn. Um, we are at Nintendo, or our YouTube channel is Nintendo.com. And in the in-between, between now and then, think of this Captain Marvel thing as a little tantalizing teaser of the sort of non-Nintendo content we have on Quarantine Chronicle, uh, where we'll be discussing whatever not sales number related things were not intentional yeah <laughs> i know i guess we're kind of using one to promote the other now yep, yep. hey we gotta do it it's, it's it's a yin and a yang uh but yeah i think that pretty much does it so i'm jsr7 on twitter angel is w-e-i-r-o underscore on twitter kevin is kvn gomi on twitter um kevin take us out i actually didn't think of anything that takes out with this <laughs> this week